FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 124 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason. I'm not a kitten anymore, Venable. And I'm joined once again by a special guest, Andrew Ninja Haircut Autry. Hey, how's it going? It is going good. How are you doing? Well, you know, I was doing a lot better till I got this ninja haircut. <laughs> hey, we just stylized. I keep getting in fights now. Right. <laughs> anyway, we're going to do a uh, flashback episode on the uh, Kitty Pride and Wolverine miniseries. The, um... Landmark question mark miniseries, you know, I, you know before this. So have you read you've read this before, right? I did about a year ago. I didn't read it oh. when it was originally okay. published. Okay, well I didn't either. All right, so so a little backstory here. So me and Andrew worked together. Won't say where, but um, one day he came up to my desk and he was like, "Check it out, man! The other day at Half Price Books, I got the whole Kenny Pride and Wolverine miniseries for like two bucks or whatever it was you paid for it." He's like, so when you do it, I'm coming on the podcast. <laughs> I was like, all right. And, you know, I knew that he would. I was hoping he wouldn't forget about it or he wouldn't think I was taking too long. And that was a while back. But anyway, here he is. And I also didn't, I never read this growing up. In fact, I was only aware of it through editor note asterisks. Yeah. I, it, I never saw this on the shelf. I never, like, saw it in back issue bins. I knew it existed because there's that gap in Uncanny X-Men where neither of them were in the book. And it says, wonder where Kenny and Wolverine are? See the Kenny and Wolverine miniseries on sale now. I never, I never saw it. <laughs> yeah, and I always wanted to read it as a kid because I would see it in my wizard price guide. Because really? I'd scroll through and I'd see like, hey, what it. is a... And, and I would see Kitty Pride and Wolverine. And I liked Kitty Pride. I liked yeah, Wolverine. I did too, yeah. At the time, I was reading a lot of classic X-Men. So I was exactly. kind of going through the origin of, right. of Kitty. And uh, yeah, I never could find it. Okay. Well, I guess that's because it was a hot book. I don't know. I mean, it, it wouldn't make sense that it would be. At this point... When it came out here, the end of 84, going into 85, Wolverine is like the most popular X-Men ever. And Kenny's pretty popular too. So you put those two together and kind of focus on the relationship. You know, it would make sense that it would, it would sell like uh, hotcakes. I buy a lot of hotcakes. <laughs> I do too. Well, anyway, so that's what we're going to do. We're just going to, we're going to cover this, this uh, blockbuster miniseries here, all six issues. Yeah, so let's just, you ready to dig in? Yeah, let's go. All right. So, number one, Kenny Pride and Wolverine is written by X-Men scribe Chris Claremont with art by Al, Al he's credited Alan Milgram here, most commonly known as Al Milgram. Uh, letters by Tom Orjakowski and Glennis Ween is the colorist. And the cover is also by Mr. Milgram. And on this cover, we have a... Tiny house covered in snow with a nice little basketball goal. And we have Kenny Pride jumping from that to downtown Tokyo in purple. And we have this nice little divider that divides the cover in half. And Kenny with her long curly hair is making the I can't believe I'm in Japan now face. And, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, what do you think of this cover? 
Well, I mean, I, I think they were trying to set the theme for, hey, we're going to do these split covers. Cause yes. We're going to see it continue. And I, I like it. I like that part. I like the part that I wish they actually really did a split cover for all six instead of finding some you know, creative ways to, to, to try to sort of do it, but not really. Yeah, we're talking about the one that yeah. they, they didn't stick to the theme completely. But I mean, I, I guess with, you know... With the, the tone of what the series is about, the duality, plus she phases through stuff. Right. It, it made sense to split them like this. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty good cover overall. I enjoyed it. So, this chapter is called Lies. And basically what happens here... Oh, I didn't want to point out, sorry. I like the font for Kitty's name on the cover. And of course we have the classic Wolverine font. And the way they kind of juxtapose against each other is also pretty cool. And uh, the letterbox, whatever you call it, is horrible. We have the ugliest kitty in the world about to make out with a very Freddy Krueger-y looking Wolverine. Yeah, I kind of felt like the kitty pride in the top left corner looks kind of like Lisa Turtle from <laughs> Saved by the Bell, but post-plastic surgery failure. Ouch. And yeah, in Wolverine, he does. He's, he looks 90 or burned really bad. Yeah, you know... It was kind of like modern Deadpool, wearing a Wolverine cow. Anyway, like I said, chapter one is lies. And um, what lies do we have? Well, after getting dumped by Colossus, Kitty goes home to Chicago to be depressed with her workaholic dad. After ice skating, she goes to surprise her dad at the bank, interrupting a meeting with the new Japanese owners. Kitty overhears someone getting hit, and she's an X-Men. So um, she goes in and interrupts. She has a bad feeling about Ogun, and when Carmen, parentheses her dad, says he must go to Japan, Kitty decides to stow away and go as well. A comedy of errors arrives her at Shigematsu Skyscraper, that's a company that bought her dad's bank, where she overhears her dad agree to launder money for the Japanese Yakuza. So that's part one. Uh, the first kind of note I have, uh, I thought it was interesting that Kitty compared Ogun's eyes to Wolverine. She says, uh, Ogun's eyes linger on mine. My first instinct is to run away and hide. I suddenly remember how scared I was the first time I met Wolverine. Without a word being said, I know instinctively what he was. She was terrified, and Ogun terrifies her as well. Also, Kitty turns into an old, old lady when she gets mad. <laughs> uh, if, you have, if you have the comics on page 6, she gets mad at the, the Japanese guys for laughing at her, and she just looks terrible. Yeah, I, I felt like throughout this first issue, Kitty, looked, yeah. Kitty's face ranges from like 12 years old to 40. Right. Back and forth and back and forth, and she yeah. spins at least every other panel. Her mouth is in a big O of surprise. Like her, she, she's got O mouth over and over and over <laughs> again throughout Throughout this issue. I don't know what the deal was. Right. I don't know if it's supposed to be her sexy face or her scared face or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. I will say the one exception of that on page 10 where she's nervously biting her lip actually looks pretty realistic. I thought. Yeah. And if you look one pan to the left. Oh, mouth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Or oh, dear. I guess. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah, and then all this crazy stuff of her getting to Japan and all the the crazy um, coincidences required for this story to even happen. I will say the scene of her kind of washing down the sewer 
how the panels get thinner and she gets farther away in the panel. That's a nice little like motion thing in the art. Yeah, anything else before we go? Because I'm pretty much going to the end here. Is there anything else you wanted to hit? No, I mean, I think you're, uh, you're, you're summing it up. Not a lot happens in this first issue. No, and what does is pretty silly. So uh, on the next to last page, page 22, I really like the giant, almost Atari-looking question mark over Wolverine's head. But his, um, his hairy midriff is a bit much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he is going crop top, isn't he? Yeah, straight up. Oh my Which gosh. I don't really see Wolverine wearing. And if I mean, you put that picture to scale, those hairs on his arm are at least six feet long. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They, it's, it's like amazing. Medusa from the Inhumans, but on arms and bellies. <laughs> that is amazing. No wonder he usually wears a, you know, not midriff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're that hairy, you kind of cover up, right? That's, that's the theory. I did want to point out on the back ad, a very popular ad back in this mid-80s comic era. In fact, I think it's on the back of at least a couple of these. But it's the Star Wars Atari arcade game. And there's a guy who's very excited wearing sunglasses inside playing his video game because, he's, because his future is so bright. And you see the, the awesome graphics reflected in his glasses, which there are lines. <laughs> I think he's watching Tron. Yeah, that's kind of what it looks like. But anyway, I know this is like pre-Photoshop. I'm assuming that ad agencies still had like project managers or editors or whatever. But this guy has the meanest nostrils I've ever seen. One side looks like it's kind of scabbed closed. And the other side has a ginormous booger just hanging out. There was a bat in the cave. You would think the photographer would just be like, hey dude, just pick that real fast. You know, and then it looks like he's Andrew pointed this out earlier when we were talking, just getting warmed up. He's supposed to be like using his controller, like his joystick, but it looks like he's just ready to fist bump the audience. Yeah, it's funny because you would think since they're advertising the game, they would have included the controller. But all right. you see is the top of his hand holding a shadow something <laughs> or preparing to, you know, fist bump you. Right. Since you brought up the ads, one thing that I thought was really funny Okay. In the very middle, there is an ad selling diamond rings in the middle of a comic book Wow! that costs 75 cents. Yeah. You can drop, you know, 680 for the gents diamond ring. <laughs> and I'm just wondering how, how much business could they possibly have gotten selling diamond rings in the comic book? I don't know. I mean, you got this guy who's ready to get engaged. His fiance says, before we get married, you got to sell all your comics. <laughs> and he's looking at his last issue he's ever going to read. Oh, that's where I'll get my diamond ring. Well, you know, I mean, this issue might have led him to, <laughs> to quit anyway, comic right? Books, right? <laughs> yeah, so let, let's talk about this issue. Um, all right, so this, let's talk about the story. First of all, there's too much bad luck. We have from the luggage cart being packed poorly, which I thought was a weird thing to point out. Then it rains on her. The maid discovers her. The ATM catches her on the camera. She gets sick. It's just, oh, it's too don't much. Don't forget the security guard who, as soon as he sees her, you start shooting. Fire. Right. <laughs> Not, hey, what are you doing here? A stranger, nope. and he just pulls out the gun. Right. A girl in a pink, oh, we didn't point out her outfit, a pink, like, tutu ice skating get up. You know, well, I mean, I guess that's pretty scary. The, the ice skating teenage girl bandits that were running around back then. 
But uh, yeah, just immediately opens fire. So just just too much bad, unlucky coincidence. And Kitty is like overly chatty in her thought bubbles, which may be realistic to like a teenage girl, and that's fine, like the characterization. But man, was it a drag to read. It really was. And it also, honestly, I know that, I mean, who knows Kitty Pride better than Chris Claremont. Right. But I felt like he kind of, I think I know what his purpose is, and maybe it's more of a talk at the end about what he's going to do through the story arc. Yeah. But Kitty had previously been established as this really intelligent, really thoughtful, almost a genius kind of kid. Right. But she's been very girly too, though. Yeah, I just kind of feel like in this, they basically, it's not just that she's kind of angsty and teenagery. Right, no. She's, it's that she's, all of her decisions she, are horrible. She's ditzy. Every single decision here is, I mean, it's, it's probably what a typical 13 to 15 year old kid would do. Right. My apologies to your younger listening audience. <laughs> right. They understand. But They, uh, they know I'm an old guy. I, I felt like at the beginning, they regressed her. A lot so that they could do more by the sixth book. I I agree with you to a point. I will say, and if you've been listening to the last few flashback episodes, Kitty has been fairly inconsistent with like what they want to portray her as and whether she acts her age or acts over her age or under her age. And well, that's kind of how I, how I feel about Kitty up to this point. Her first appearance and first few times she showed up were awesome. Like, yeah, this is why I like this character so much because she is... One of my favorite X-Men, mm-hmm. like still. And so I remember reading our first few appearances and it was like, yeah, this is what I, I love about Kitty. And then we go on a nice up and down roller coaster where Claremont can't decide what she wants to do. Um, is that why she went through multiple code names? And, code names and, yeah. and horrible costume changes. And sometimes she was super mature and sometimes she was super immature. And there's weird moments. In fact, we'll have one in this comment or this series. Weird moments where she's she's treated like an adult and almost over-sexualized. And, you know, and, but then they constantly remind us that she's 13. And I, I won't go on because we've done it enough in past episodes. But the point I'm making is I'm not sure... If I wanted to give Claremont that much credit that he regressed it on purpose or was just more inconsistent Kitty. And, that's, that's probably and, fair. And who knows? It can be either one. Because your point is also valid as a story vehicle. I'm just not sure if I trust that Claremont did that. <laughs> that makes sense. So um, let's talk about the art in this one. Um, I thought it was fairly unremarkable, borderline bad. What did you think? Honest, of all six, this one is by far the worst Ooh. art. I don't know if we'll agree on that, but I'll not, say it's the covers. second worst. Yeah, the covers. No, the covers fine. The covers. This is actually part of my second favorite of the covers. But I, I feel like what my observation from this, and it, it's it's maybe a save to the end, but I think he uh, did a lot of things with these characters that he drew in because he can't draw faces. So uh, like yeah, okay. Carmen Pride's got a big handlebar mustache. This goon's got sunglasses. Another right. goon, you know looks he's got like a weird ponytail on top of his head it's because unless they have those distinguishing characteristics basically there's no differences in their faces i don't right and kitty's face again we talked about it ranges all over the place she she's got her mouth wide open in almost every shot and if she wasn't wearing the same pink skating outfit (laughs) i wouldn't know that she's the same character other than she's really the only consistent female character through the whole first book. Right. I wouldn't be able to tell her apart because her face looks different 
all the time. Yeah. I also want to point out what I think is a mistake that they later correct with an asterisk. But when we left Kitty in the in the previous issues where we actually see her packing up to move or to go back to Chicago, she has really short hair. And in this issue, we're back to super long curly hair with really no explanation. And we will get a later explanation that I'm going to call BS on that I think, well, we'll talk about when we get there. But um, anyway, what do you want to grade number one? I, I struggled and I finally came to two. Okay. Two out of six. We're going to be in exactly the same place. I also, which way did you struggle? Between one and two. Yeah, me too. All right. Yeah. I also settled on a two out of six clause. I couldn't so. go higher. It's it's kind of a hopeful that this is setting up greatness. <laughs> right. You know, Wolverine shows up at the end. Yeah. You're thinking just, this, this could go somewhere. Right. If this was a standalone issue and not oh, part no, of a it's series. Oh, no, it's terrible. Yeah. It's, it's a... It's terrible. Well, it's all just all the contrivances of, I I need Kitty to be in Japan. Let's home alone this thing to get her there. <laughs> all right, so that's going to take us on to number two. The creative team is exactly the same. Uh, what's on the cover, Andrew? All right, so this one continues with the split cover theme. Yeah. On one side. You got this crazy devil mask with a ninja standing on its shoulder. Yeah. And on the so other side. Is that the good ninja or the bad ninja telling him what to do? I'm t- you know, in, in this, it's probably the bad ninja. <laughs> okay. So that makes Wolverine the angel? Yes. Wolverine <laughs> is the whiskey guzzling angel on the other shoulder. So My on the other kind. side. Yeah, on the other side of the cover, you get Kitty Pride looking <laughs> a little dismayed. With her O face again. Yeah, her mouth is wide open. That's what lines up with mouth the agape. smiling devil mask on the right. other side. That that should have been, instead of ninja haircut, you should have been Andrew Mouth Agape, Audrey. Yeah, that would have been very <laughs> fitting. I do look a lot like Kitty Pride for your listening audience. Um, Not at all. Yeah. So yeah, so it's it's continuing the split theme. This one goes a little deeper into that whole duality concept yeah, that's well, going to be coming a, out. This is a classic split panel where you have the face split right down the middle that you see a lot in comics. But overall, I, I enjoy it. I think the mask looks pretty cool. I like that it's kind of it's evil, but it's smiling. I thought that was a nice touch. And um, I thought the ninja looked pretty good. Wolverine looks okay. Yeah, it, I, I thought this was the, of the six, I, I got this one number two as the oh. second best. Okay. I did I did make a note that says Milgram Open Mouth. That on the end of this cover, he brought it back. So I'm glad you caught that. Well, hey, Kitty, as a, a nice classic teenager, her lipstick exactly matches her costume. Yeah, she did a good job with that. I'm surprised it's still there after a night in the rain in Japan. Right, and, and the sewer. And going through the sewer. <laughs> I, I'm glad she found time to touch that up and keep it keep yeah. it looking good. Yeah, but overall, I think it's a pretty cool cover. Yeah, it, it, it works. All right, so what happens in this one? All right, so pretty quickly, the you know the last issue ended with, hey, my dad actually is a thief. My This is, I'm going to be really angsty now. Right. So it opens, you know, she's in the, the bad guy's office in Japan. They, she screams, dad, because her <laughs> dad's a thief. And so they open the door. All the goons are there with a Shigematsu as the lead bad guy. I kept finding myself calling him Shiggy in my notes. Okay. All right. And I got a lot more of that, you know, what I talked about, about facial arrangements, because Shiggy's got a weird goatee with no 
full mustache but long mustache tendrils. It's like the older Ra's al Ghul mustache. Right. They, they pretty much comics would just give anybody from the East, whether right. it be Asian or Arabian or whatever. And my perspective is that he has very Asian attire and hair, mm-hmm. but his face could not be more Anglican, possibly <laughs> Simeon a little bit. Yeah. But not remotely Asian. No, no. He was like a Scooby-Doo bad guy. There you go. Uh, so anyway, so, uh, you know, Shigematsu's all Caesar. She throws a chair. That's when you find out Ogun is not just a henchman, that he's got something else going on. Right. Because Shiggy's like, hey, why didn't you stop her? And he's like, I don't work for you, Holmes. Well, it's you translated from the me. Japanese, so you assume he oh. said Holmes. Right, right. Yeah, and then basically Ogun's like, you know what? Tell you what, I've done a lot of jobs for you, Shiggy. You give me... <laughs> You give me Kitty Pride. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Getting shiggy with it. <laughs> Ogun was. He he, he uh, arranged, basically, you give me Kitty Pride, and, you know, we'll call it even. Then Kitty, after she throws the chair, she's running for it. She's phasing out of the building. She's sweating a lot because she has the flu. Right. Then you get a weird Muppet Babies advertisement with Richard Pryor. Because nothing says Saturday morning fun like Richard Pryor. I think this was before he caught himself on fire. Right. Um, So anyway, Kitty's basically escaping. And this is when she's decided, you know what? I've got no choice. I'm going to go find uh, Mariko. Mariko? How do you say it? Mariko. Mariko. For help because I've just got the flu and I've got to get on with it. So then as she's moving on, something important happens. Some uh, guy in a nice suit and the devil mask you saw on the cover drops out of nowhere, you know, blows some dust in her face. It says foof. We'll talk about individual panels if we got this, but since you're stopping there, I have a a weird question. He holds out his hand. Yes. But the dust, you know, I normally have dust in your hand, you hold it out and you blow it. But the dust is very obviously originating from inside the mask. So is the hand just like an aiming platform, or what's what's the hand there for? The hand is there because Milgram drew it before he realized, (laughs) oh, wait, I'm going to make this come out of the mouth. (laughs) Okay, I like that answer. Yeah, and and Kitty obviously also let out a weird IE right before the foof. Well, yeah, she got scared when he showed up out of nowhere. Yeah, and she gets knocked out. Then you actually get... A really good moment, which yeah. is Wolverine at the airport yeah. trying to get through the metal detector. <laughs> and I could have gone for a whole issue of this. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and if they don't like really line it up about why it's so funny. Right. But it actually answers a question of like, how would he ever actually get through an airport? Right. And it's because he has like a special note in his passport that right. explains he has metal in his bones. Yeah. Which, you know, that's actually a real life thing. Like if you have like an implant or something, right. you can get a doctor's note and carry it around when you travel. And especially nowadays, I mean, this is even before 9-11. So. Right. Well, I love that when he goes through the metal detector. And he's goes still off, smoking. He's smoking, going through the metal detector. And he says, when it, when it goes, bzz, he goes, flaming toys. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I like that. And then. I, I really liked that when they ask him, you know, are you traveling for business or pleasure? And he's like, business. 
Yeah, I made a note about that because he's all business. Yep. Then you get the cool like a dark room, a spotlight comes on from oh, overhead. Wow. So dramatic. And then Kitty's standing in the spotlight, all shadow eyed, and you know through her thought bubbles, you realize she can't move. Right. Um, she's all she paralyzed. can do is open her mouth really wide. Right. Apparently, she was paralyzed with her mouth open. Then the ninja guy drops in, and he does this crazy stuff with a sword where he chops open her sleeves. <laughs> then he... I, I almost got really uncomfortable here, and I wasn't oh, sure got... where they were going. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and I'm, I'm assuming some time has passed, but is she still supposed to be 13, or is she a no, little bit? No, she is. Uh, she recently had her 14th birthday out in CR space. Okay. And some time is supposed to have passed. So she is somewhere between 14 and 15. Okay. So she's she's still very young. So I agree. When I first read this, I thought, oh, no, where is this going? Right. He's going to cut off all her clothes. Because I'm not comfortable with, you know. Underage nudity? Yeah. Yeah. Most people aren't Marvel. Just yeah. letting let you know. I mean, it was the 80s, but there's, <laughs> there's still some standards. <laughs> so cut open her sleeves. And then it, it did something that, you know. I get, you know, hey, ninjas are cool. Let's make ninjas do really neat things. <laughs> I hated this part. But he, you know, he touches her throat with a sword and, oh, wait, now she can't talk. And then he touches the back of her legs and makes her collapse down. Then he starts cutting off all her hair with his sword. Yeah, into a perfect, uh, what was the lady from Rocky Four? Bridget Nelson? Yep. 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 Perfect Rocky Four Bridget Nelson haircut. Except in some panels, she has a rat tail. Yes. And, and, c- and comes doesn't. and goes. Yeah. And some she doesn't. And you also, through this comic, are going to discover, not so much here when it first happens, but basically when she gets her haircut short, she starts looking a lot more like Rogue than Kitty yes. in the face. That changing her hair aged her, you know considerably right uh so anyway then he uh after he's cut the hair she can't move she can't talk she can't speak she just can stand and watch then it does do the where he cuts open the back of her outfit so uh her lipstick is no longer has anything to match right and then he does a big kai with the sword hits her on the head knocks her out and so then then this is going to get silly yeah when well, yeah, let's get through it, and then we'll come back to okay. it. Okay. So the the concept is not silly. Right. It's the art is so bad on this page. <laughs> I, I mean, I think so. the idea here is that it doesn't explain it here. You don't know if this guy is using some sort of, like, hypnotic drugs or if he has powers. Right. I think later you realize there's some uh, powers. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later for sure. But so anyway, she kind of falls down, and suddenly she's a baby. And Ogun is there. And Ogun starts training her as a baby, where it's like, match me, little one. And so there's little tiny toddler kitty in a karate gi matching his moves. And it looks exactly like early Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when Splinter was learning (laughs) martial arts in his rat cage from his master. I swear Milgram stole it. I'm sorry. You okay there? I did not make that connection, but that is brilliant. I, I think it's panel for panel. <laughs> and then my favorite is the bottom panel on page 12. She looks like a garbage pail kid. I don't know what she looks like, but yes. She it's, looks. It is a garbage pail kid card of, of toddler kitty pride about, <laughs> about to, to punch, punch you. you in the face. It's so bad. Anyway, yes. And this continues where he's training her and she's so let down because she, she can't throw the 
the throwing stars as far as he can. The, ca- the name on the card, by the way, was Karate Katie. <laughs> Karate Katie. And I don't know um, what the alternate, because every Garbage Pail Kid had a B-side. Right. I don't remember what, we'll, we'll come up with it. Yeah, so anyway, to make a long story short, it goes through pages of her training. Gina Gee. Older. <laughs> so gradually she masters the art of ninjutsu through his training. Yeah. As she grows oh, up. Another Ninja Turtles reference. She goes through all the Ninja Turtle weapons. She does. And finally she's old enough to hold the katana. Yeah. So it was too heavy when she was little. Then on page 16... We get a rare Milgram treat with a really kind of a cool page. Yes, it's a great page, I think. And, and I would say one thing consistently throughout, well, I'm, I, I, I've already been bagging on him for some of his art and his being able to draw faces right. or not. His paneling is really cool for the time period. Yeah, no, there's some cool panel design and stuff like that. And, and so in this one, you get the, the, the panels kind of merging together as gradually you're realizing Ogun is doing something. He's possessing her. He's getting inside her head. He's reshaping her. And in, in the end, she puts on the devil mask and she's like a ninja now. Yeah, she's a little Ogun. So, you know, story is going to continue. And we're finally going to get some actual Wolverine here. We go back to Shiggy's office with his goons. It's in the dark, which which really serves it here. Shiggy realizes somebody's in his office, much like... Sitting in his chair. And you've already seen, they just open fire there. They don't bother to find out who it is. Nope. So they start blasting, and then you get a in-the-dark double-snicked. That's a great panel. It is. All you see, it's completely black. Then suddenly you see six claws, double-snicked in red in the line, easy, bub. Yeah. And that was cool. The panel under that's really cool too. Yeah, it's the really fast movement as he's just slicing through people. Yeah, it's a nice little blood splatter. I, I love his Wolverine tries to be like, okay, ladies, y'all can leave because Shiggy's got a lady on each arm. <laughs> right. You know, ladies, get out of here. I got business to discuss. Right. And they attack. Apparently, they're, they're bodyguards too. And so Wolverine just punches one of them right in the <laughs> face. Like, it's not like, oh, he takes him out. Like, he literally punches one right in the face. Right. And then you that's when you know for sure, in case somehow you didn't know, the lights come on, it's Wolverine. And so basically he's like, hey, Shiggy, you give me Kitty back or else you're toast. So Shiggy calls Ogun. It's like, hey, I'm not actually, you know, siding with Wolverine here, but you should know, like, this is going on. And this is great. Shiggy's on, Ogun's on the phone with Shiggy. And he's like, could you hold on a moment? <laughs> he sets down the phone. And this is pre-cordless phone. Right, so yeah. So he, you know, he sets down the, the receiver. Right, you can still hear a little bit in the background. Right, so he can go in the next room and like have Kitty and the devil's mask and uniform go through a big fight scene with a bunch of ninjas where yeah. she takes them all out. She says this really stupid line about this sword, how the sacred blade is drawn. Before it sleeps once more, it must taste blood. Right. And she's about to straight up kill one of these ninjas, and Ogun stops her. And then she looks exactly like um, when she takes off the mask. Did you ever see Swamp Thing? The movie? Yeah, the original no, movie. No. Okay, well, she's got the 80s perm for some reason in this one Yeah, panel. it gets curlier as... She it looks comes like and goes. she looks like the lady from Swamp Thing. It's a terrible movie, by the way. Right. Not not worth your time. 
Don't go back and watch it just to understand this panel better. Okay. And long story short, she's now a ninja. Ogun goes back to the phone. And he's like, oh, yeah, hey, I'll take care of it. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't tell you that before I went right. and observed this fight scene. Right. But, you know. I think Ogun is just making him wait. He's still mad yeah, that right. Shiggy tried to tell him to, to help earlier. Right. So then you realize Ogun has some history with Wolverine. Yeah. He holds up a, he's looking at a picture of younger him and Wolverine. Yeah. Eating, eating some sushi or rice or something. Yeah. Eating together. And then, uh, you know, basically he tells her, Hey, this, this foreigner, they say Gaijin cause they yeah. like mixing in. You know, occasional Japanese words. Yeah, occasional right. Japanese words, which is funny because it's translated from the <laughs> Japanese, yes. except for that word, which so is why in they Japanese. can't just say honky. I don't right. know <laughs> exactly. And so basically, like, hey, this guy's here to hurt me, and she's like, oh, he's as good as dead. Go kill this cracker Wolverine. <laughs> right, <laughs> and that's how it ends with horribly drawn Kitty with short hair saying, you yeah. know, he's as good as dead. Yeah. So one thing I did want to point out that'll come into play later. When Kitty is mastering her ninja skills and the other ninjas attack her, she combines her mutant ability to phase with her ninjutsu. Yeah. So it's like she's a ghost ninja. And that's that's kind of it's really a cool use of her power. Yeah, it's kind of important that while she completely doesn't remember at all like who she really is and she right. thinks she, you know, owes everything to Ogun, right. she can still phase. So yeah. that's pretty cool. So Kitty took out a bunch of bad guys with the flu. Michael Jordan eats her heart out. <laughs> she calls Wolverine the sneakiest, scariest guy there is. So that was a nice little description. Um, Ogun is sporting a killer soul patch. I didn't notice that in issue one, but it's in full effect in issue two. Wait, are you saying the face was not consistent? <laughs> Possibly. Man. Oh, you know, I thought of something, and I, I, I meant to say this before we got started, and I forgot. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. The first time you were on, mm-hmm. like on, not, not not when you called in, but when you were on for reals a while back. Uh, uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, the Marvel team-up stuff. I said some uh, disparaging things about a creator, an unnamed creator, and you guilt-tripped me because um, <laughs> apparently this creator had had some pretty serious health problems. <laughs> And so I backtracked a little bit on some of my criticism. Whenever you said you, I believe this was a direct quote, (laughs) you know, I hope he gets better from his brain damage, but not well enough to start (laughs) writing again. Yes. I think that was a quote. Give or take. Yeah. So anyway, before we get too far into this series and I say too many things about Al Milgram, I just want to ask you, are there any like health problems or major psychological disorders I need to know about? On his behalf, like did he lose a spouse? Does he have cancer? Yeah, to the best of my knowledge, okay, he's, Al he's open game. Is is okay? Okay, all right. And he had he had a long successful career. So if we want to bag on something, yeah, he can scoreboard both of us at having done more. For oh yeah, definitely. Comics. Yeah, he's he's probably much wealthier than either of us will ever be. Although I um, will say, it wouldn't have killed him to draw a background somewhere on this page on on page twenty one. <laughs> Of the of the panels, all but one of them, and there's a lot of panels have no background at all. Thank goodness for for well, a color, Actually, I kind of like that. They're colored backgrounds to denote the action and the emotion. I actually, I, I'm kind of on board with that. Yeah, I think Glennis Wine saved him with the coloring. <laughs> so on page five, we have a fainting lady in a yellow dress. 
Now, that was funny. As Kitty's, as she's phasing through the office complex, like from floor to floor, and there's a lady in a yellow dress who's like, oh. <laughs> I did. Phased. Yeah, I liked that, too. Oh, I, I was also, you kind of mentioned this already, but I think the uh, devil mask and a business suit is a pretty killer combination. It actually looks really cool. I think it looks really great. Milgram did a good job with that. That was the thing with the art. I thought the art was way better here in issue two. I agree. But it was, it's still, it's well, got some really good panel work and some really cool spots. But it's still, there's, all right, we'll talk about it in a minute. So there is one of the cool things when Kitty is in her brainwashing session, there's a part where it closes in on her eyes and you see the devil mask in her pupils. Yeah. That, that was really cool. That was really cool. Um, it's just, to me, it's funny that a guy who did that really cool, you can see the devil mask and the pupil, right. the snicked in the dark, the some of the really cool movement stuff, then drew the garbage pail kitty toddler. Right. Well, and I don't know if you thought of this or not. There are several panels of short hair kitty that I think, like, look at number 11, or page 11, the first time we see her full on with short hair. Mm-hmm. That looks like Rob Liefeld to me. <laughs> There is a lot of the the kind of some of the cross hatching and some of the yeah I'd say the the design of the face yeah the only other thing I wanted to point out in the story is Shogun does mention that he originally wanted to condition Wolverine like this but was unable to so that'll come up later so yeah the art you know it is better I feel like it's still very stiff and that's a word that I think is going to apply to a lot of the art in the series it's yep. just very like boxy and Everyone's kind of moving like an action figure and not like a person. And Maybe he had one of those little like wooden moldable, uh, t- yeah, the wooden things you use to to know how to draw people in different poses. <laughs> right, yeah, and he just did and exactly only, that. Yeah, they can only move so far, you know. <laughs> I just I was really bothered by how with long hair her face looked mostly one way. Right. And with short hair, it's not just that she looks different because she has short hair. No, he changed her facial features. A completely different person. Yeah. Suddenly, like all like the the kid roundness of the face is gone. She's got like a hard angular face. Right. Uh, different eyebrows. <laughs> Apparently, he, we didn't see. Apparently, he did a yeah, yeah. sword swipe across the face too. Apparently, and changed so. her eyebrows. So I thought the story was much better. Yep. Thought the whole conditioning thing with the baby was weird. So that part I didn't like. Well, I, also, I, I don't I, like that you don't know if it's a power, a drug, hypnosis. Right, or why is she a baby? Why does she really turn into a baby? There's an all in her head. Like, it's just, it's well, odd. And because Claire, Claremont usually over-explains yeah. everything going on. And you no, know, there's a lot of things very un-Claremontian in this series that we'll get to. Yeah, that, but, that um, was like, that's like made for Claremont to tell you. Right all the inner dialogue of what's going on and why it's, how it's happening and what's happening. And he'd mix up some fake physics and science, right. in it, but, <laughs> but he, but he didn't, yeah. but I agree it was better. And I think, yeah. I, think, I think everything Wolverine did in this issue was killer. That's why I was going to say, I think it's better because <laughs> this is not all, all his, kidding. You know, he Claremont knew how to write Wolverine in this area. Yes, he did. And he uses sure. a lot of his, he's going to use a lot of his just catchphrases. Right. And, yeah. But you know, that's because they weren't, they, they didn't have 40 years of being catchphrases then. Right. You know, they were still pretty fresh and new. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you want to grade number two? 
You know, I, I got this one up to three. I couldn't quite go to four because I really hated Garbage Pill Kitty. <laughs> and some of the art I really still just yeah really disliked. I didn't like the way the sequence worked. I like where it's going, and I'm starting right. to get more interested in the yeah, story. Yeah, the story actually becomes a little bit of a story. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be right with you. We're going to be the same again. Uh, three out of six claws for me as well. So, number three is the same credits. On this cover, we have an all-white background. We still have the dividing line. We have Wolverine jumping claws out at Ninja Short-Haired Kitty. And I, this is my favorite cover of the series. So, I think you said, which one was yours? Uh, We haven't got to my favorite one. Okay, okay, all right. Yeah. So, this is my favorite of the series. I think Wolverine looks great. Kitty's still a little stiff. But it's not too, too bad. Yeah. What, what do you think of this cover? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Wolverine does look great. Everything's actually to scale on him. Right. He's not necessarily to scale compared to Kitty. He's a little big He's, for Kitty because they should be relatively the not, same Not height. as big as one coming up. I'll have a note soon. It took me a, re- a minute to realize, like, why is there a line down the middle other than them wanting to keep the divided divided thing going? And then I realized, I, oh. I actually would have preferred it just to be an arbitrary line than to be the biggest reflection off of a blade you've ever seen yeah especially because it doesn't look like that like right. they, they drew the glare on the sword right but then they drew a completely straight column with exactly <laughs> parallel lines the whole length of the cover right it doesn't look like a gleam on a sword i agree all right so in number three yukio finds wolverine and he gives her the scoop he's not in japan for her or mariko but kitty Wolverine goes to the arranged temple to retrieve Kitty. Oh, yeah. So the end of last issue, Shiggy, as we're calling him now, mm-hmm. set up a fake meeting where he was going to get Kitty back. So he goes to the arranged destination. It's a Japanese temple. But instead of retrieving Kitty, he's attacked by a ninja that he can't hit. A ghost ninja. After uh, being poisoned by an arrow and or a dart and or a claw, he escapes to hide and heal in some trash. Yukio goes to Shiggy's office to find Mr. Pride. She's attacked by his sumo bodyguard. She gets the upper hand and the info about Kitty. Oh, about Kitty being given to Ogun and the trap for Wolverine. She and Mr. Pride take a tumble off the roof, but she saves him. Uh, the demon ninja tracks Wolverine to the dumpster, but he's healed and waiting. Rematch! Wolverine recognizes the scent but is bewildered by what his nose is telling him. He chases her through trains where Yokio has found them thanks to random police reports matching Wolverine's description. Wolverine catches the ninja knocking off the mask, revealing what everybody already knew, Kitty Pride. He hesitates for just a moment and she runs him through with her sword. I gotta learn how to do synopsis. Synopsis? How do you pluralize synopsis? Synopsis, yeah. I gotta learn how to do synopsis like you do. Lots of practice. I'm such an amateur. <laughs> It'll come, Grasshopper. I will be your sensei and then eventually do I, do I over, a- overtake your adopted offspring and try to kill you. Well, when you're my sensei, do I get to like travel back to baby <laughs> yes. Andrew? And yes. Get trained? But instead of training you to be a ninja, I'm just gonna tickle you. That's really uncomfortable. (laughs) Oh, we haven't even touched uncomfortable yet. We're getting closer to it, though. (laughs) Oh, by the way, this chapter was called Death. I'm sorry. 
I think I forgot it in the last one. Yeah, so. What was it called? Two was called Terror. Yes. Okay. So we've got Lies, Terror, and Death. Lies, Terror, and This is the negative half of the series. We'll turn a corner eventually, I promise. Yeah, it gets real touchy-feely soon. <laughs> <Yeah>. Real positive. <laughs> um, so this story starts off on this page very similar to the Wolverine miniseries, the Claremont Frank Miller miniseries. It's very similar in tone. Wolverine kind of philosophizing about himself very it's real, similarly. It's real noirish. Yeah, it is. Very much so. I actually quite dug it. You want to point out we're still in the days when Wolverine is killable. He talks about how he's very hard to kill, but there are ways. I thought one thing was weird in that noirish opening, though. Okay. Is him explaining how his claws work? That's Claremont, you know, yeah. giving us some Wolverine history. Yeah, I just I thought that was a it was real Silver Age, like almost Stan Lee-ish. <laughs> At least he didn't say it out loud, to, right? Right. To the person to himself. Him. Yeah. <laughs> I will stab you with my claws housed in my forearms and their metal casings. They're made out of adamantium. They're unbreakable. I will cut you. They're useful assets in a fight, <laughs> as right. you're finding out. Let me show you. So there's this weird thing. I want to ask you how you interpreted this. So Yukio attacks, and they argue about, like, who they are. They fight. They tussle. Then they make out. And then we get a later. Yeah. And they're snuggled on a roof. Granted, still fully clothed. But well, it just says his... later. And Wolverine is having a post-sex cigarette. He's taken off his mask. Yeah. He's got the cigarette, and they're cuddled up on the roof. Right. And the amount of time this passed, you're assuming maybe there's some hanky-panky. It was but enough that then, there's a later. Yeah. But then, a couple of panels later, they're like, well, you know, we're attracted to each other, but we can't be lovers. I love Mariko. He doesn't say we can't be lovers. He's basically like, it can't really go anywhere. Oh, okay. So it's not negating the possibility yeah, of hanky-panky. Yeah, it says, panky. why when you know nothing can come of it. Okay. All right. But Except for a casual sex. It... <laughs> It actually it bothered me a lot because, like, there's there's certain things about Wolverine that he's clearly, and obviously you know more than I about Wolverine. No, but loyalty is an attribute he possesses. Exactly. Loyalty, certain sense of honor. Not honor like, hey, I'm, I can't kill people. I'm honorable. He'll, he'll kill anyone. Right. Yeah. But a sense of honor, especially in anything that's tying into Japan and the setting. Right, yeah, and the samurai stuff. And, it, and granted, when he's unattached or single you know may not fit my personality but i'm okay with them being a little floozy-ish but when he's still like betrothed and in love with mariko if what they're insinuating happened i think it's out of character well and as we're going to get later into the series i think they really even more strongly insinuate it right yeah we'll get to that but it really bothered me a lot i yeah i didn't feel good about that it didn't and not in like a puritanical way i just think it's out of character it did. It, well, yeah. I mean, I, on my personal opinion, I'd, I'd love some less sexualized comic books in general just because right. I, I feel more comfortable handing them to my children. Yes, exactly. But, I mean, com again, puritanical aside, I think this is a little out of character yeah, for the I, character to do this while in the relationship with Monaco. Right. But, but speaking of Monaco, I do like the discussion about her. Wolverine kind of says, you know, you probably make more sense. I don't know why I'm so in love with her, but. I am. And that's the way it's got to be. You know, he says, of all the women in creation, she's the last I would have expected to love, much less love me in return. But she's the one I most treasure. More fool you. 
<laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. I know. <laughs> and I'm but, assuming Yukio isn't from like Georgia. So. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the way she's talking. But yeah, so they conspire. Yukio's going to help. On page seven, we have a really good snicked where he blocks the throwing stars with his claws. Yep, that's cool. I thought page eight was another one of those really nice pages. So we have Wolverine Except, like... Oh, okay. Look Wait. in the bottom panel at Wolverine's right leg. <laughs> yes. That's actually backwards. <laughs> the, I'm pretty sure his bottom leg, that's not possible what's happening there. Um, other than that, yeah, I He's like He's just the, working on his cheerleader moves. I like... I do like in the action. The top panel is amazing. It is, and I like the action on uh, how like one claw is making contact with his face while he's breaking the other tiger claw. Yeah, and like the parry there was really nice. Yeah, it is cool. It's it's actually and it doesn't look as stiff. It looks yeah. a little more like it's happening. Yeah. So if you take away Drill Team Wolverine, it's a pretty awesome. <laughs> he page. is doing a herky, isn't he? <laughs> is that what that's called? I don't, I you don't, don't remember know. from your cheerleading days? No, they're, they're long behind me, <laughs> like in a previous life. Um, so another thing I like a lot, first of all, the fighting in this act, in this book is pretty cool. And it's some nice fighting panels. Still a little stiff, but overall pretty good. Oh, and I just want to point out, because I'll talk about it later, the window washing scaffolding that they fall and break through the glass with. Anyway, so after Wolverine heals, he's waiting on a roof to fight when the ninja comes to find him, thinking that he'll be easy pickings. <laughs> but before Wolverine fights, he puts out his cigarette on the roof. He's like, yeah. It's a nice touch. All right, let's get down to business. <laughs> and then uh, just more fighting. I thought the last panel was really nice. The panel where Kitty actually like runs through. And she had the mask like on the ground. I thought mm-hmm. that was a nice touch. And I thought that was a good panel. It wasn't too gory, but you definitely see that like Wolverine's getting cut up pretty bad. Anything I ran over too fast you wanted to talk about? I mean, you get a lot more of the where there's no backgrounds or lazy background. I, it's not just the no backgrounds. Some of them, it's literally like he just didn't care to actually draw, especially it, like in, in the office when Yukio yes, goes looking. Yes, actually, when you said that, it's the first thing I turned to is the one where the sumo guy gives her like the the bear hug or sumo move Mm -hmm. like there's no reason for that to be a blank background yeah and there's somewhere literally it's like he just kind of roughs you can't blame it on the inker because he was the penciler and the inker right um it's like he just kind of rough sketched and then just sort of waited for for glennis to color in right office furniture and plants and things that just they don't look like anything yeah i feel like he really focused focused on some panels and made them really good and others he just didn't care i love i do love the the stabbing of wolverine because i think you're supposed to really i think you know and you know we're older now it's not it's not as shocking but thinking of it if you're reading it at the time not knowing you know 20 years of what's going to happen later (laughs) right right right. how kitty's going to develop at this point she had still been kind of a little bubblegummy kind of character yeah and she's stabbing him through the heart. Yeah, that's pretty hardcore. Yeah, little little kitty is is a, uh, you know, she's not sweet little kitty here. It's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So I thought the art in this one is still pretty rough, but I thought the kind of sloppy grittiness fits this chapter of the story better than it does the previous issues. I don't know if necessarily the art gets any better, but it's a, I'm more forgiving of it. 
because of the story we're telling now. Yeah, and I I read a little bit about how he intentionally uh, Milgram that is intentionally changed his style for this yes. miniseries because he was trying to have it kind of dark and gritty. Right. But I mean, I think he kind of failed at it overall. But well, yeah, but I, I agree have a that little in, bit different opinion. But we'll talk about that at the in, end. in this one. I think it, it makes sense. And again, some really cool panel work. Yes, I agree. So the story has lots of good little Wolverine bits. This issue reminds me a lot of the, the like I said, the Claremont Miller miniseries. Just in the internal dialogue and the way Wolverine behaves, his motivations, his conversations. Um, yeah, that was a really good Wolverine story. And because of that, I graded it much higher. I actually gave number three five out of six claws. Wow. Yeah. This was my favorite issue of the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, I actually did go up to the four out of six on okay. this one. I felt uh, I felt the story so far, this was the best of the story. Yes, I agree with that for um, sure. The art, I kind of I kind of feel like to some extent it maybe regressed a little bit from number two. Okay. But not anywhere near as far back as number one. Okay. So uh, less stiff, but um, still not... Still not my favorite. All right. Cool. Um, I think number four, we have a different letterer. We have Joe Rosen. The great Joe Rosen. Yeah. And uh, this is this chapter is Rebirth. What's on the cover here? All right. So on this one, we've got the split cover again, but this one, they actually went fairly creative. Yeah. Kitty's uh, kneeling on the ground in a red ninja suit, trying to hold out a sword that's going to be important in the story. A golden sword. And Wolverine is kind of standing behind and over her, holding a bow staff. Right. That a very kind of goes, tall bow staff. Very tall bow staff that goes through the top of the issue and disappears kind of behind Kitty. And right. it's supposed to sort of be splitting it left and right. Right. Though nothing else in it is really split left and right. Oh, it's a solid black background. Yeah, solid black background. And then characters are outlined in white. I like That's a nice touch. That looks cool. You know, Wolverine himself looks pretty cool here. I think it's a cool cover, but Wolverine is a giant. He, I put, if if this was to scale, he's 10 feet tall. Right. Based on the fact that Kitty, mm-hmm. I mean, Kitty's kneeling, but basically, but still, though. like knee to shoulder, she comes up to his knee. It's <laughs> either she's two feet tall or he's 10. Yeah. Um, but... I actually like kind of the pose, how his arms are positioned on the bow yeah. staff. It's kind of cool. I also like the, the the outline in white. Well, this was my second favorite cover, scale aside. So Her face is pretty awful. Yeah, it's not great. I guess I just really like the color scheme. Yeah, <laughs> the color scheme is cool. The and Wolverine's pose orange. looks pretty cool. Yeah, I All right, cool. What happens in Rebirth? All right, so in Rebirth, first of all, Joe Rosen's going to kill it on the letters. Um, <laughs> re- really makes Orza Chowski, you know, look like a chump. Oh, man. Um, Those so, fighting words in the letter uh, community. Okay, so this one opens sort of where the last one left off, but it actually does something pretty cool here at the beginning where it's going to start telling the story about, you know, a couple of hours after... Kitty stabbed Wolverine. Right. And then it's you're going to kind of gradually find out a little bit of what happened next in flashbacks. Right. So it opens with a car, you know, flying along a cliffside in Japan. A I, curvy one, obviously. It looks like the coast of California. Um, <laughs> and in the car, you see Yukio's driving. Kitty is unconscious, tied up in the front seat. 
Carmen is in the back yelling and screaming and he's upset. And a comatose with his eyes open, Wolverine is kind of hunched, hunched back in the back seat. Looks really bad. Like he looks, he looks, he looks dying. dead. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's dead. He looks dead. So Carmen keeps yapping. He's complaining. Yukio gets fed up, so she stops so she can get him out and threaten him. Right. At which point, Kitty escapes. She phases she, through the ropes. Yeah, and she makes a run for it. And here's where you start getting the flashbacks. Well, where, I favor those Yukio Dukes of Hazards over the hood of the car to chase after Kitty. Yeah, I mean, well, she's she's got to get there fast, you know? Yeah, so then you start to see in flashbacks as she's chasing down Kitty. After Kitty stabbed Wolverine, um, she's standing over him. Then you start seeing some more current where um, uh, Kitty gives Yukio a chop in the face, and this is where Joe Rosen's greatness comes in on on page four. Because this whole time... Anytime something's translated from the Japanese, you get the little, I don't know what they're called. The, the tr- beaks. Yeah, yeah little, the brackets. Little beak brackets around it. So you know that that's not in English. Right. But on this, ayow, when Kitty <laughs> chops her, the brackets are reversed. So as to say, that's not translated. She actually said, ayow. Which in Japanese means, I know. Exactly. There's no <laughs> translation needed. And the fact that he reversed the brackets on that, I think, is hilarious. It is pretty hilarious. I mean, I, outside, I of that, the, that. outside of that, the letters look just like any other letters. But right. for that, he's the great Joe Rosen. <laughs> um, so then you find out that after Kitty had stabbed Wolverine, Yukio threw some spikes covered in sedative to knock her out. And then in the present time, Yukio uh, beats the crud out of Kitty, knocks her out again. So she's getting knocked out in the past and the present. Right, because she's too groggy to phase. Exactly. So Yukio drags her back to the car like, man, I'm fed up with this. You know, then the story's going to move forward. It's going to cut to Osinmayaku, the stronghold of Clan Yashida. So Wolverine's recovered enough that he's... he can get up and walk again and won't let anyone help him. With a giant walking stick that would not fit in that car. Maybe that's the giant walking stick on, on the cover. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. That's why he's got a big stick on the cover so that he can uh, Does he walk. speak softly? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, that's, that's one of his trademarks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, so anyways, then you get where it's got like kind of a cool kitty's having nightmares about a devil mask with her face in the mouth and yeah. stabbing Wolverine. Then she wakes up and, you know, very obviously hurt and tired and achy Wolverine is crouched by her bed. And when she wakes up, she's Kitty again. Hey, it's Wolverine. I had a terrible nightmare. And he's like, not so much. (laughs) Then you get a great ad. It's Spider-Man fishing off a bridge with a couple of kids. And it's advertising a a fishing rod. Nice. I I liked that a lot. Um (laughs) Okay, so then Kitty realizes it wasn't a dream. This happened. Her, I, her hair is, here is very Rob Liefeld. Yeah. And um, what's with the weird tuft in the front? Well, it's growing out. You uh, know? Okay. And All this right. is where the rat tail really shows up is in this yes. issue. The rat tail in back and in front. Yeah, and double rat tail. Wolverine, I like how Wolverine's like, hey, you hungry? And she's like, no. And so, <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm starved. So he starts eating with chopsticks in front of her. 
Meanwhile, she's like, wait, that looks really good. And she's licking her lips, <laughs> but he just keeps eating it in front of her. That panel is gross. It really you is. have a close-up of Wolverine's like open mouth about to put some sushi in there. And Kitty's like staring at him like, mm. Licking her lips. Yeah, yeah. it's great. I think basically this is Claremont, Claremont writing this in and Al Milgram being like, I can draw Chinese and Japanese food. Right. I can draw Asian food of some kind. And then there's a whole lot of him explaining about... I won't tell you what the shrimps look like. Yeah. that's Milgram's lack of attention to detail shows up there. <laughs> so, you know, Wolverine starts giving her some, some uh, you know, backstory, basically telling her she's got to face the truth. You know, at which point she's going to have a good cry. But then we got we got this where, uh, you know, she starts lamenting her father. He's like, hey, don't judge. And then you get this really, at the time, it seems kind of weird backstory. That's going to make sense later. But he tells us. Oh, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, he tells a story about the greatest swordsman ever in Japanese history and how somebody who might yes. or might not be Ogun. Mayamoto Musashi. Yes. And somebody who might be Ogun, they come to a bridge and they're like, hey, you know, defer to the, the lesser should defer to the greater. And they're like, well, then we're going to have to fight because <laughs> we're both the greatest. We're both the greatest. So they draw their swords, stare at each other for a long time, and then sheath their swords and walk most away. We, most likely years. Right. <laughs> the point being that, you know, when they made icon, Kitty's like, I don't get it. Wolverine <laughs> says, the eye contact was the duel, kitten. One each took the full measure of his foe and realized that the other was his equal in every respect. And further, that this battle neither could win. The conflict resolved, and there was no need to actually cross swords. Hey, wait, you trying to tell me my own goon's the same guy? He's immortal? No one knows for sure. Get dressed, pumpkin. Meet me outside. And scene. Yeah, and so... <laughs> You know, it's trying to build some Ogun mystery. Right. Okay, so this is what's going to start what I would call the Karate Kid sequence. Yes! Yeah. I, I even made a note that Wolverine was Grumpy Miyagi. Yeah, and I can't I can't pretend that's an original thought. I heard somebody refer to this as Karate oh, Kid. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wish it was original. I'm just not that great. <laughs> well, we both had it, so it can't be that original. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, he's he's going to be the sensei, but he's going to do some training. So he takes her out into this rock garden, tells her to rake the garden. Uh, there's a scene with Yukio where she's like, you're nuts. She's never going to be free of Ogun. And you realize that Wolverine's still really hurt. Right. Which I thought was interesting because... I, th- I feel like Claremont kind of tried to slow down the healing factor here. Well, he got stabbed through the heart. It's gonna. It takes longer, right? The the harsher the wound. But I kind of like it. It makes. I do too. It makes him more of a. No, I I agree. I yeah. completely prefer Wolverine, where his healing factor exists, but it's not like this magical instant power. Like I like it when he has to like work through it. He can't actually die. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping whatever Wolverine or whatever version we get post secret, the new Secret Wars in current day is more like this. Yeah, I, li- I like this a lot. It kind of reminds me of some of the later uh, where it was where the Reavers had him, you know, nailed to an X. Yeah, later yeah. And they his, like crucified him. Yeah. Yeah. And basically it took him a long time. He couldn't just heal and go. He was a mess. Right. Uh, I, I like this better. It makes him a cooler character to me. Yeah. 
So they're fighting. If Yukio feels this strongly, I'm not sure why she didn't just throw Kitty off the cliff earlier instead of bringing her here. <laughs> right. But. So Wolverine goes back outside. Turns out Kitty basically made a Zen Master rock garden. So that's when she realizes just how much Ogun messed her up that she was able to create right. in the rock garden. With, or even uh, possibly that there's still some in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that she's probably not free of him. And this is where it finally starts to explain a little bit about what Ogun did, that he imprinted his psychic clone in Kitty. Okay. Uh, it refers to that and that it's going to eventually overwhelm her. Uh, he explains that, you know, she can't go to Professor X because she'll never really be free because she's all broken. Hmm. Um, and then this is where I got it. I thought this was a little silly. This is the part with the sword. Yeah. So he takes her inside, shows her the, the you know, the... The Clan Yoshida the sword. The Clan Yoshida sword. Which, by the way, nobody wants that thing. Wolverine and uh, Mariko keep passing that back and forth saying, I don't deserve this. You're the true owner. No, I don't deserve it. You're the true owner. And like they, leave, like they hide it. Like Wolverine will like hide it in her bedroom and then he'll suddenly find it again. Like, oh, I thought I loved it. It's like the Dr. Pop cannon. Yeah, college, exactly. in each other's rooms. <laughs> yes. So for this great honor sword that nobody wants, um, Wolverine gives it to Kitty. All right. So basically, you know, he's like, hey, you got to hold this out in front of you at arm's length for as long as you can. And she tries and she starts sweating and she collapses and she thinks she's done it for hours. And he's like, yeah, that wasn't even five minutes. And then when he's trying to tell her what to do, she basically tells him, you're one, you know, you're, give me a break. Uh, the exact quote is, you're too tall and too darn ugly to be Yoda. <laughs> nice. Uh, so anyway, then. More karate know. kid stuff, the swim test. Yeah, he throws her in the water, then he disrobes, and you see he's still all bandaged up and bleeding and a yeah. mess. They go swimming. She still can't hold the sword. And then something kind of cool happens here. Uh, you get you get a Charles Xavier calling him. And what I thought was really cool about this, again, is uh, I'm a sucker for the flashback. I like back when there was really some real effort for continuity. Right. Fewer retcons. Although, I think you forgot to make reference. No, the short hair is in this one somewhere, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Because uh, that's a sort of retcon. And basically, Charles tell, calls to tell him, like, hey... FYI, Storm lost her powers. Oh, and, you know, like the guy who was sort of like the most important person in your life uh, is dead. Yeah, that's Guardian from Alpha Flight. So is that his third different name? or Guardian? Yeah. All right, so he... I think he was Vindicator first. And then he was he also Weapon Guardian. Alpha? Well, Weapon Alpha was never like his official. That was like kind of how Wolverine's Weapon X. Okay. So just kind of another designation. Okay. Not necessarily a code name. So he was Vindicator, but that sounded too violent, so he became Guardian. Okay. And then. And he'd been referred to as Weapon Alpha, but not, yes. not as an official. I'm Weapon I, Alpha. I don't think so. I, you know, someone. Pat is our Canadian fan. He can correct me on that. Okay. Well, and I like how Wolverine is like, he can't, he can't really do anything about it right now because if he leaves now, Kitty will never be free of Ogun. And then you get what I think is maybe one of the coolest panels I agree. in this whole thing. And it's not just that it's sort of good. I think it's great. No, it's great. It's like the only thing I don't like about it is I wish it was a whole page. Right? This would be a great yeah. pinup. It, it would have been. It, and with the scene we're talking about is Wolverine basically takes his pain outside because he's, 
he's really torn up. It's like you actually get some pretty good. Um, oh yeah, because I like when he here. when he finds out that Guardian's dead, he gets like an un, like almost a subconscious snicked. Yes, like a, a a snicked of grief. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, and so he goes outside, and the scene is him kind of outside in the moonlight, the the kind of crescent moon overhead. His claws are out. He's kind of reared back, yeah. essentially howling at the moon. Yeah, which sounds less cool than it looks. Yes, no, you should. It's on page seventeen in this issue number four. You should check it out. It's a great, great image. I'll try to tweet it later if I remember. And it's like when you see that, you're like, why? Why is some of the other art so bad when that's so good? It doesn't seem like it should be able to be in the same comic, that you'd get such good art and then, you know, such mediocre stuff. Including on the same page, you get some fairly mediocre um, (laughs) art. Anyway, so I I loved that. And then on the, you know, and then it's going to continue forward and suddenly it's a a blizzard in Japan because this is happening at the same time as the Thor storyline of the casket of Ancient Winter. But again, I love that. I think a lot of times with a miniseries, it's like it you don't know it has like it's a, it's in its own time frame. Right. It doesn't really connect in and instead they're gone. A major plot point happens with Storm losing her powers. Right. Somebody else dies in another comic. And you got this what was probably a pretty lame storyline with Thor, but since apparently it affected <laughs> everywhere, they yeah. wrote it in. Yeah. So I, I think that's really cool that it really exists within a specific time frame in the Marvel Universe. Uh, so they're walking in the snow and she trips and falls and she's like, I hurt my ankle. I can't make it. And he's I'm like, falling and I can't get up. So Wolverine decides to give her the tough love and basically leaves her <laughs> lying in the snow. Um, and uh, I, I liked that a lot. I, I like what he says to her. It's like, She's like, it isn't fair. And he's like, never is. Not for Storm, not for Jamie. What makes you think things would be different for you? The trick is taking the hand you're dealt and winning anyway. It's a decision only you can make, Catherine. The most important you'll ever face. The only one that matters. Wolverine! Please. Please. <laughs> so he leaves her. He goes back. Carmen finds out he left her in the snow and he's... Uh, you know, he's really mad and he's getting ready to, you got to go out and find her. And Wolverine's like, or Kitty shows up. That won't be necessary. Right. And again, in, in page it, 20, she's suddenly two feet tall again. Right. And she runs inside. She runs inside and literally she comes up to his <sighs> rib cage. And Wolverine's a very short character. Yes, he is. So I don't understand well, Milgram. Things, things contract in the snow, right? <laughs> yeah, she, she shrunk in the cold. Yeah. Okay, and then we get to page 21. Oh, boy. The page that makes me actually angry. Not just, <laughs> like, uncomfortable, but angry. Yes. And it's, they decide Kitty's going to take a nice hot bath to warm up. Right. And it's an extremely very sexualized picture. She's kicked back. Right. Showing a... a a vast amount of cleavage. Yeah, a lot of teenage cleavage. Yeah. Because she's, we just established she's 14 or 15. Right. Uh, you know, she needs to warm up in a bath. Let's get like a side view with her nose sticking out of the water. I mean, you don't. Right. I This really upset me a little bit because it's sexualizing a very young person. Right. Well, in a very uncomfortable way. And if that's not bad enough. They, they do the thing where she gets out of the tub and the only thing preventing like real, <laughs> excuse the pun because it could go both ways, kitty porn, is 
weird like water lines covering up her breast. Yeah, it's it's really unnecessary and stupid. And also her face in these pictures, she again is like thirty years old yes, instead of a very teenager. Much, yeah. And this is supposed to be like the turning point where she realizes, oh wait, if I'm gonna hold out the sword, I don't have to try. I just have to do it. <laughs> Thanks, Yoda. It, it is. It's like they referenced Yoda just because they were thinking about the do or do not. Right. Yeah. Try. There is no try. Only do or do not. Mm? <laughs> the mm was the best part. <laughs> um, Yoda do. It's like Sco- Scooby Yoda. Mm, hold this sword, you will. So anyway, so then we she. Should, we should redo this whole series of Wolverine talking like Yoda. Just read it cover to cover. Okay, next next time we need a quote, he's going to be Yoda. Yeah. Even though he's too darn ugly. <laughs> and too tall. So anyway, that, that it, it bothered me. It cemented whether my young child is allowed to read this yet. Right. Um, but anyway, she holds out the sword for more than a day. You see, I like when the sun goes down, it turns into the Japanese rising sun. I, I actually thought that was really cool. Yeah. So there's these four small panels across the top of page 22. And each panel is the... I don't want to say the weather, but the the time period. It's the like time day, yeah. sunset, moonrise, full right, full night. And then between each of those is the same panel of Tiny Kitty holding a tiny sword, but not Tiny Garbage Pail Kitty. No, no, tiny, no, Tiny Fifteen Year Old Kitty. Well, t- possibly thirty. Yeah, somewhere between fifteen and thirty-two. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so then she realizes, oh wait, I won. I can do it. Except. Now I don't want to. I'm going to leave the sword by Sleeping Wolverine, who apparently lost one of his legs while sleeping because it's just not <laughs> under the sheets. <laughs> I don't know why. Right. Apparently he was hurt worse than he'd been letting on. Yeah. Uh, and so it ends with basically Kitty's like, hey, wait, I, I can do this now, but I'm still right. I'm scared. I'm going to fly out. I'm at the airport. Oh, wait, I do have to face him. Yeah, and, and there's a there's a close up of her face looking up at a you That's know at terrible. the at the gates. She does have her Karate Kid uh, headband on though to yeah. continue that theme. But it's literally the worst face. No, yeah. it, it it now has no resemblance to Kitty either. You know, Rogue Kitty, um, Swamp Thing Kitty. <laughs> 40-year-old kitty. Or garbage pail kitty. It's, it's a, a com- brand new kitty. It's a completely different face. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, the art the art in this one's pretty terrible. Um, Other than that one, apparently he spent all his time yeah, drawing on that, that one, one picture. Yeah, on that one channel of him howling at the moon. realized, oh, the deadline's here. Let me, yeah. let me draw well, the yeah, rest turn of this it. issue in. Um, yeah, all right. Um. And so they get, that was again way too long of a of a recap, but that was issue That's chapter fine. four. All right, so on page three we have a reference that I hate, where they talk about just the general mutant metabolism that every oh, mutant has. I made note of that. And I I to hate that. I hate that. It's one thing like Wolverine, yeah, his, his healing factor is his mutant ability, right? And his claws. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. But this this idea, and they did this a lot in the '60s and yeah. a little bit in the '70s. And I think, thankfully, they've mostly abandoned it by now. But you, you just have this concept that no matter what your mutant power is, you have a better physique, you have a better metabolism, you automatically heal at least a little bit better. Maybe not Wolverine good, but better than, like, fat slob on the street. You know, and um, 
Yeah. Yeah, I wrote mutant metabolism question mark. Yeah. And they're going to do it in the next issue too, a different thing. Yeah. But yeah, it I don't understand where that would come in. Yeah. Uh, I also I understand that wind can be strong. I know this is a comic that focuses on Storm using wind to do all kinds of crazy stuff. But I also kind of hate that Yukio's ninja move is to jump off the cliff into the wind knowing that it will blow her back to Kit Kitty. That just drove me nuts. Yeah, I've done a lot of jumping into the wind, and I've never <laughs> gone the other direction. And not enough to kick somebody for sure. And then you talked about how if the the flashbacks intermingle with the regular action. I actually got confused. Oh, yeah? I, I thought Kitty was knocked out, and then the next panel she was back up fighting. And it was just, it was, one was in the past. One was the flashback knockout, and the other one was the present-day knockout. And I was just, I was all kinds of messed up on that part. I do think the nightmare art was really cool, especially the last panel of her waking up. Like, you have this, like, broken black glass with all the heads and the skulls in it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice panel. Yeah, and there's a few pages in here that are great. But then you get a weird page. So not Rob Liefeld and not just ugly art. They're on page 13 where Kitty looks like Luann from King of the Hill. I'm, I'm working my way there right now. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> and her rat tail has grown four inches. Yeah. But I did like the, the art in the story. It was like almost kind of comic strippy, like very sketchy and had these like weird thick borders. I thought that was cool. And I thought the story was cool. It was very, it's very Japanese folktale. And I, yeah. I really dug that. We find out that Ogun was originally Wolverine Sensei. Yeah, and that's a pretty important plot point because yeah. the the thing I'm trying I couldn't figure out is is that supposed to be pre or post Admantium skeleton? Uh, before. Okay, so it's pre. Yeah. Is this- I'm pretty sure because it says it, it was would, ages ago. It would make sense so. that it's pre. I'm trying to figure out it, where does this fall in with his memories and what he can and can't remember. Oh yeah. Okay. But also, in the first Japanese miniseries, wasn't he like, he starts speaking Japanese, and they're like, yes. I didn't know you knew Japanese. You didn't ask. Right. So, I mean, he remembers being yes. in Japan before. And he talks about that, too, when they go to Japan the first time ever as the X-Men. He meant, this is that same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I was just curious about when. I would think it's before. It would have to be almost timeline-wise, but, but you know what? They haven't really... We haven't really gotten to forgotten memories yet. Okay. We've mentioned that his past is mysterious and that no one really knows about it, but we haven't had any real specific Wolverine doesn't remember either. That doesn't come till later. So I think some of that's going to have to be retconned away. Yeah, Um, I was just, I was kind of trying to figure out exactly when that prior sensation took place. So we have one of my favorite panels in this series that you talked about with the Howling at the Moon. We also get one of my favorite Wolverine moments where he talks about how, uh, what does he actually say? He says, my body really needs to heal, but Kitty needs me more. Now, I thought that was like super Wolverine. And that's, that's just Claremont, again, really getting to the essence of who Wolverine is. Um, so what do you think of the idea of that Professor X couldn't help, that Wolverine had to keep her there and do this his own way? I think it's because it's not just a mental thing. I think there's more to Ogun than he just messed with her head. Right. I think it's, it is sort of like a psychic imprinting. Like it's, it's in there. And unless 
you know, it, it kind of goes with the idea that she could hold out the sword when she realized she could hold out the sword, that it was about a decision that the problem with, you know, the difference between Wolverine teaching her and Ogun teaching her is Ogun didn't give her a choice. Wolverine gave her a choice and she has to choose to do it. And it's the same with the Ogun thing. If she is always scared about it, always wondering about it, that it would create the opening for him to come in. I think he also figured Ogun would chase her down. So even if Charles like erased the memories. Yeah, but, but isn't that better though? If he chases her back to the X-Mansion and all the X-Men take him on? Well, you would think so. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I agree with the point of like the self-reliance that Kitty needs to do part of this herself and not be dependent. I like that part. I'm just, I don't know, I'm just a little curious why I, he I didn't. I think his logic's flawed to some extent, but I think he also doesn't really trust the whole telepathy aspect well, of it anyway. He wouldn't ever want true, somebody messing he, with his head. And he does make a point to that, that he says, trust me, I've been there. Almost yeah. like, I don't know if we've seen it in the comic yet, but kind of in the movies where they talk about how Professor X really like puts them back together. And I think that will show up in the comics later. So yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. I, so. I also, I just think he, he, he's probably looking at the big game of who Kitty's going to be as she's growing up. Right. And that, you know, she's got to face this and she's got to do it because right. that's what he would do. Yeah. I also want to point out there's an ad by our favorite panel that's, you know, if GoBots are a knockoff transformer, then we got the knockoff of the knockoff with transbots, which is not. They're in stock now. Yeah, in stock now, which, you know, it, nowadays can even mean something different, but. I'm a, yeah, that, that can mean anything. Right. So. Wow, they don't. This one transforms into a communicator. <laughs> <laughs> this one transforms into a camera. Oh, Man, wow. these were exciting. <laughs> they were exciting. That's nuts. All right. Well, yeah. so I thought, with the exception of a few really cool pages, the art, this is, to me, the one the art took a step backwards. I know you thought three did. I thought three was a little more okay, and this one yeah, went a little bit backwards. It's the worst um, since number one, other than that one panel. Yeah. Well, there's, an, there's a other couple of cool panels, too, but yeah, I agree. It's pretty bad. And I do like the story, though, with the inverse of, like, Wolverine kind of being the opposite sensei that, yep. of Ogun. I thought I that was that cool. a lot. So I actually liked the story quite a bit. It just wasn't very nice to look at, with a few exceptions. Yeah, but Joe Rosen brought that lettering up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Quite a bit. All right, so what do you want to grade number four? I was torn, but I'm going to go with three out of six. Okay, I was also, which way were you torn? Towards four. Yeah, okay, me too. I'm going to actually go with a four out of six. I thought the story got better. I really was bothered by the kid in the bathtub. Uh, Yeah, me too. Um, I was, I thought the art overall was really bad. Yeah. So I don't want to change yours, but that, that, you're you're talking me down. (laughs) I actually liked the flashback stuff at the beginning. I thought that was cool. The art would have helped sell it if it didn't look like it was all happening at the same time. Right. But I thought the way it was written was pretty cool. Right. And I really like Wolverine as the sensei. And looking at it now, they tried to sell it because the flashback scenes had a thicker border. But that's pretty subtle. It's it's pretty subtle. Especially with no one having any costume changes. But speaking of costume changes, we move on to number five, which we're back to the original creative team with Tom Orzakowski back on board. This is Courage. And on the cover, we still have the dividing thing, but this time it's done by Wolverine's middle claw. We have a giant Wolverine head with his claws almost stabbing himself in the face. 
And then we have on the front, we have Aviator Kitty in her new suit with her giant scarf fighting Ogoon. I don't like Kitty. I think everything else on this cover is pretty awesome. Yeah, this was actually my favorite cover. Okay. Except I can get behind that. I don't like the kitty either. Now but. I will point out I like the costume change because we're getting not to give not to spoil this issue too much on our, our spoiling podcast, but we're approaching one of my favorite costumes of Kitty Pride. Yeah. And this is this is moving in that direction. And to be honest, it's her coolest costume. Since her original classic X-Men costume. Right. Because all the ones she's had between now and then are terrible. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that clearly she and the Ogun Devil Ninja are facing off with Wolverine kind of between them. Right. And I've always loved the classical. He's holding his fist up with the three claws in front yeah. of his face. I, I like this one the best. I like the bright kind of red-orange background. Yeah, it's pretty um, cool. I liked the, the I liked the layout of it the best. I don't think the execution of it was necessarily the best, but that's you right. know, that's Milgram. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, all right. So in this issue, Ninja Kitty threatens Shiggy to leave her dad alone. Then she changes into a new costume, uh, the same one we saw on the cover. On a train, Kitty reflects and chooses a new code name. Also my favorite, Shadow Cat. That's my favorite code name for her. She's going to confront Ogun, and she's pretty sure she'll die and leave Wolverine to avenge her. We see that Amiko, who is oddly called Akiko in this issue and the rest of the series, is staying with Mariko. Wolverine tells Mr. Pride and Yukio that Ogun may kill Kitty. But if he doesn't and he possesses her, he'll kill Kitty. Or Ogun will kill him. And that's all, of course, regardless of their past. Because he says he has a very fond memories of Ogun. But that doesn't matter anymore. So Kitty Scooby-Dooed her way into Ogun's next move. She figured it out with no evidence or reason. Um, and she pretends to be Mariko. And when Ogun ta- attacks Mariko, it's really Kitty. And uh, it turns out he was going to do this to draw out Wolverine. And Kitty said, well, of course he will. So she hid in the sleeping bag. Um, so after a skirmish, Ogun disappears and attacks Mariko and Akiko. Uh, Kitty phases them to safety, but before that, she gets hit with a drug star, disabling her phasing for reasons, somehow. Ogun takes the fight to the roof. Defeating Kitty, he makes her an offer she can't refuse, submit, or die. But she refuses. <laughs> Who knew? You can refuse those offers. He's about to strike the killing blow, but Wolverine shows up and tells him to stop, so he does. <laughs> there you Would go. have been much better if he'd like, you know, in the first, not the first issue, one of the earlier issues when Kitty's about to kill the other ninja and Ogun stops it with his sword. Mm-hmm. They should have paralleled that had Wolverine stopped his sword with his claws. Much cooler ending to this issue, but that's not what they decided. So this is where we get the uh, BS explanation for why her hair was long now so it can become short as part of her transformation. In the previous X-Men issue, she was wearing a short wig. Nope. (laughs) Yeah, and she's looking at it here and she's like, oh. I hate it in a short wig, but like I guess I better get used to it now. Right, because now it's short for real. So you're saying that's a retcon? Oh, definitely. They messed up. What? Here's what happened. 
Claremont wanted to transform her from the preteen with the long curly hair to the I mean business 80s style ninja with the short hair because you couldn't be a tough girl in the 80s without short hair. Mm-hmm. You had to be masculine to be tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, so to make that transformation possible, he had to undo the short haircut that John Romita Jr. gave her and call it a wig. I do, though. I really like Shadowcat as a code name I mentioned. I really like her drawing on the subway window. I love this page. Yeah, it was great. I, I, I love the entire page. How she's looking at herself, how she sees herself as she used to look. Right. And then she blows on the window and draws the little Wolverine. And I, I actually really like uh, the writing here. Yeah, the, uh, I agree. The okay shadow cat is who I am, and this is the life I chose to lead for as long as I last. Then, Wolvie, you'll have to avenge me. I love the fatalism. Like, right. I've decided I'm going to do this. I don't I expect know I, to yeah. survive. I can't beat him, but I'm going to fight him anyway. And that's, I guess, this is our kitty growth that we're expected to kind of yeah, that, move that's along with. Gonna, one thing was kind of cool, one page back. Okay. When she phases through the ground and decides to leave the ninja clothes halfway through <laughs> so no one can find the them. roof yeah. behind her. I thought it interesting that she could phase out of one set of clothes and keep on the clothes underneath that yeah, to not... leave them solidly embedded in the ceiling, kind of as a little joke. Or was it a bat pole thing? Did she change? Like, do, did they not show us an almost naked kitty in between the floors? At least they decided to keep, you know, have, to have, have the shadow cat costume underneath the ninja suit. Right. Yeah, and she puts on the little face. But it paint. actually says phasing out of my ninja costume along the way. And yeah. kind of, she, you see her landing in the other one. I, I'm kind of calling a little bit of bull on exactly how controlled her powers are there. Right. Uh, I, don't, but, I don't know if she can do that or not. But it is a cool little it, 60s Batman little, thing. A little whimsical. Yeah. Okay, so. I, I called attention to this earlier only so I can call back to it now. So in the fight, uh, is there anything before we get to page 20 you want to talk about? Yeah, so I'm, I'm real, skipping quite a bit. Real quick, page 7 is what I referenced earlier where they leave no doubt about the the, the Logan Yukio having um, you know, more than a friendly relationship on the It's Freezing Come to Bed. Oh, and then there's the other bull about, well, my mutant ability helps me not freeze in the weather, but you're human. You must be freezing kind of thing. If he had just said my healing factor and yeah. not a gen- not just I'm generally a mutant, so I'm protected from the cold, yeah, I would have bought it. But yeah, the whole like, oh, well, no matter what kind of mutant I am, weather doesn't affect me. Like, yeah. <laughs> the, the exact phrase is, and, and per our prior agreement, Blast it, Yukio! I'm a mutant. My you... body can handle the cold. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, we are left also to wonder how much time has passed because uh, oh. Amiko and or Akiko has aged quite a bit since we saw her two issues ago. Well, and in, here we in go. X-Men time. I, I got to call attention on page nine. Oh, another bath scene? Another bath scene, this time with... Uh, At least she's Rico. an adult. But... She's got this little kid who's known her for a few weeks <laughs> or a couple of months. Yeah. Hanging that's, out at the bathtub with That's her. not inappropriate at all. And you know what's even worse? To spoil this a little bit, at the end of the series, they talk about how, I guess we should officially adopt her. So she's not even like officially her guardian yet. She's just some pervy old lady taking a bath with her kid. 
Yeah, and a kid who literally, from what I understood, she's known a, maybe a couple of months. Right, maybe, and, really a couple of and weeks. And also, this whole the whole page, I hated so much. First of all, the complete... It was like in a movie where they put a gratuitous nude scene in that has nothing to do with anything <laughs> right. just to put it in. Right. And then, what? because what she's talking about is so unimportant to the story where she's going on about the expectations of women in Japanese culture and why she's wearing high heels. Right. That was just Claremont putting in a little... Uh, it's so boring. Political... Um, it's exhaustingly boring. Sat- not satire. Um, all right. He's trying to make a point. It just it has nothing to do with the story. I think they're they're, they're trying to say Mariko is going to be part of the story now, so let's give her something to talk about. <laughs> and we need her to have this conversation with a little girl, but we also want to put her in a bathtub. Right. It actually would have made a whole lot more sense. She's coming home. Uh, let's have dinner, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it know. it would have. All right. So anything else? I mean, there's a there's a decent fight uh, scene. I got nothing else till eighteen. Okay, what do you got on 18? It's just, you know, we've been, I've been, I've several times mentioned how uh, uh, Glennis Ween Wine um, did a great job <laughs> I like, with the I like colors. doing both. Ween Wine. Uh, she did, I think, have a little trouble with Kitty's new uh, wearing the makeup around her eyes. Yeah, it's kind of like. She forgot to color I? it a couple of times. Right, yeah. And so. And I don't want to harp on it because I thought her colors were really solid. Well, to be honest, she only forgot to color it when Milgram forgot to draw it. <laughs> I know, yeah, it's it's barely drawn in some situations. <laughs> One panel, it looks kind of green. I think it's maybe the shadows. <laughs> right. It, I thought that was a, you know, that was a little troubling. Right. So there's a part where uh, they're fighting Ogun, and Ogun knocks her out of a window onto a... Window washing scaffolding. Why are there so many unattended window washing scaffoldings in Tokyo? Well, that that's actually, that's culturally relevant. They mm-hmm. have really clean windows in Japan. Okay. Georgie, is that true? Let us know. Uh, other, they're either paper windows or they're really <laughs> clean. And you can't wash those. Right. They just fall apart. That's why they have so much time to clean the other windows because there's only so much glass in Japan. True. Okay. It's mostly paper windows. I think that's slightly racist, but I'm going to go past it. <laughs> I, it's really... Okay. To kind of clarify, I actually think this is something that I think Claremont is a little ridiculous about. Is Yes, everything he, is super Japanese. Wherever he's writing them, he tries to put in as many, like, what can I learn about this culture and right. throw in as much of it as possible. Yeah. So that's it's like, if it was nowadays, if you would just pick a location that the X-Men are going to show up in, go to a Wikipedia article about that location and Claremont will describe everything in that article. Yeah. <laughs> he just didn't have Wikipedia back then. Yep. His it, research was harder. I mean, he must've had the, yeah, the either the had looks. to go or had to talk to somebody who went. Well, I think he had like the encyclopedia. <laughs> Britannica. Britannica, yes. He had the whole I like set. that. I like that option better. We just had like the junior version of right. my house. So I love the Ogun mask in most of the series on page 22. We have a random Darth Maul panel. Maybe this was the motivation for Darth Maul. Yeah. And then we have the worst Wolverine of possibly the series just standing straight as a board on the ledge arms can't move they, he has like two points of articulation and that's it yeah oh he's he's totally boxy one side's kind of bigger than the other he's got the really patchy but really long arm hair and you know to your point earlier about it'd be cooler if he blocked the sword 
they only didn't because they wanted to do the I wouldn't do that, Bub, if I right. were you. Yeah. yeah One thing, I, the only thing I really liked on that last panel was the gleam on the sword was kind of, kind of cool. It actually well, gleamed on the side facing. The I movie. agree. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I would say about that though, Andrew, if they're gonna do a Bub, then then throw in a snick. Let's get everything on the page. Yeah. You know, or even a double snick. Like I wouldn't do that, Bub. Snick, snick. If I were you, I'd yeah. break up the dialogue. That'd be awesome. All right, so I actually really like this story. Yeah, I did too. I except, think, except for the unnecessary high heel bathtub I, I, You scene. know what? I'm blaming that on the art. I'm going to pretend Claremont didn't even write that. He just said they have a conversation and Milgram went nuts. <laughs> That's very possible. <laughs> this one, her being in the bathtub is okay because she's not a 14 Well, she's a consenting girl, adult, right. But she's got a minor with her who barely yes. knows her. Right, so that makes it just as awkward, if not more awkward. I think a little worse in yeah. some degree. yeah. yeah. And it's not like your mom. Like, you know, as a male, I shouldn't. But if your daughter sees your mom in the bathtub, you have the same parts. It's not the end of the world. I I won't pretend I I never saw a nude dad. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're referring to your own dad, right? Well. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, those are stories for another podcast. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I really like the story. I don't like the art much at all. There's a couple of cool panels, but I think we're getting... Actually, no, the page we described with the window art and that whole thing is the only page I actually like. Yukio gets progressively worse every her, issue. Her with face her, gets worse. And, and her hair one, is Kit, constantly on fire, apparently. Kit, yeah, Kitty's face in this, while not looking anything like Kitty from the first book, at least consistently yes. looks the same not like Kitty. Yes, I agree. But even her dad looks different. Oh, her He's dad. gained weight. Her dad's got Java He's gotten face, balder. But he still has the handlebar mustache that looks kind yes. of the same. Yeah, no, the arts, with the exception of that page, is pretty terrible. I think we're back on the downward slope, in my opinion. That said, what, what are you going to grade number five? Oh, gosh. Uh, the story arc is getting a lot better. It's really going somewhere. Yeah. I like the way Kitty... Has the courage. I love the relevance of her becoming Shadowcat, which I agree is by far her coolest name, other than just Kitty Pride, which is a cool name in and of itself. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Art going downhill. I was really torn again. I'm going to actually give this one the four out of six. Okay. I like the the relevance of the story, and I like where the story's going. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you. I, I waffled between a three and a four, but settled on four out of six claws as well. Which, that takes us to number six. The last chapter is Honor. What's on the cover, Andrew? Take us home. By far the worst of the covers, in my opinion. Her rat tail has really grown. Oh, Kitty looks terrible. Yeah. So, okay, we got the split cover again. This one also took me a minute to realize that the split cover... Oh, you know what? I just realized what it was. So, so you beat me. Okay, so I'll get to what, <laughs> what's splitting in a second. The base of the cover is Kitty's in the middle. She's kind of phased. Wolverine's on one side, sort of stabbing through her. On the other side is Ogun in the devil mask. He's swinging a sword that where it stopped is it's kind of through her phased leg. The split cover is supposed to be the arc of him swinging the sword. Right. Except that the laws of physics would say... The way he swung this is really not possible. The weird right. arc. It goes really high and then suddenly straight. Yeah. Like maybe 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 physicists would disagree. Mm. Uh, but mm. yeah, I, I looked at it a while before. I was like, well, why did they split this cover? I don't understand. And I realized what it was. The yeah. big My biggest problem with this cover is their legs are all tangled up. 
And it actually, it doesn't make sense where their legs are positioned in relationship to each other. Well, it's like one of those, what, what's the... It doesn't make sense because what you can't see that Gwyneth Ween accidentally colored over was the <laughs> twister board that Milgram drew on the bottom. Oh. Yes. I thought it looked like, what, are the, what is his name, Escher? Uh, oh, M.C. Escher? Yeah, where like it doesn't actually make sense. It's, it just kind of winds around. It's all convoluted. And, yeah. And actually, Ogun's left leg, I think, is growing like out of a space a couple of feet to his side. <laughs> um, yeah, it just, yeah. It does, it's, it's really bad. Uh, I really hated it. Okay, I don't think I hated it as much as you, but it's definitely not the best. And I'm not sure why her scarf is red on this when it's been white. Or, or yellow. It's been white and yellow. It's a hyper-color scarf. So again, I think I think uh, Glennis kind of started mailing it in on this well, series. Well, well, but since we're going to dog on her a little bit, let's point out, though, that the colors on this series have overall been really good. They have been. Yeah. And actually, her, her choices for the background colors... Yeah. I, I, doubt, I doubt Milgram wrote, like color this one green right her her colors in the backgrounds have really made some of the otherwise mediocre art kind of pop to the front what what it makes look cool is if you lay these covers out like either side to side end to end or even put them like in a little square they look really good together yeah like it makes like one big piece that that looks really cool in a series and i think changing the colors much like on the wolverine miniseries uh, going back to that again, the color changes make the issues more stick out more, the more emotional. I agree. Yeah. Yep. All right. So issue six, honor is yeah. the is the title for this one. So um, I kind of like how it picks up. Um, oh, what's up? Is the worst first panel ever. That's terrible. With Wolverine's giant shadow over them. When he's standing, like you know what he looks like? He was like a Jim Valentino shadow hawk silhouette. What's funny is the shadow actually doesn't match his stance on the wall either. Like his hands are much further from his uh, sides. Right. Than, and for some reason he's got tiny skinny thigh in the shadow, but they're right. massive in the, right. at least he's smoking, right. you know, yes, that's at least. a good message for the kids besides. Right. Hey, Wolverine's yeah. not a role model. No, he sure isn't. I, you know, I kind of like the way it opens with the before tonight's over. One of us is going to die. Yeah, like how Ogun was a friend, but you know one of them's not getting out of this alive, and he's not sure who it's gonna be. <laughs> right. And then I actually love the second page. They, I do too. They throw back. I don't. I think the art's really bad, but I like the what they do. Yeah, they call they, back the uh, the folk tale. Yeah, the bridge scene where Wolverine and Ogun stare. Ogun actually takes off the mask, and they stare at each other, and it's like continually getting closer, zooming in on their eyes, staring at each other. And Wolverine's like kind of noirishly again saying he's retelling the story and now it's his turn, except he's not so look lucky because then Ogun puts the mask on and charges. <laughs> and it actually looks kind of cool with their blurs. It does. And it actually cool on page three, a really, again, a dang cool double snick. Yeah, I agree. With the where he put the glare of light on each of the, the claws six walls. reflecting in the moonlight, I thought it was really cool. You know what we didn't get in either of those bath scenes? Was that cleavage in the moonlight? Nope, no barbarian queen <laughs> here. Although it does call back to that movie about completely random and unnecessary right, cleavage. Yes. 
But yeah, so then it, this page is actually pretty cool with him putting on agree. the mask, the double snake, them these fighting. Two pages. Uh, that's pretty good. Then it gets really awkward fighting on page four. <laughs> yes, as where you got like a Wolverine punching dummy where he just he. It's like Milgram had to fit this into a tiny panel, so he's got Wolverine all scrunched down, looking. Right. And Ogun is laying on the floor, breakdancing. He's a breakdancing ninja. Right. And then basically, uh, Wolverine realizes, oh, dang, Ogun's better than I am. This this isn't good. So he just takes off. And I kind of like the way he does it. Yeah, this reminds me of the rat story you told me earlier, when the mama rat left the babies, hoping you would chase it, but you didn't. (laughs) To briefly explain, I was telling Jason how much I loved his, they're not all dead. They're not all dead. (laughs) story right. from his last from previous podcast yeah and so i told him another rat story or a mouse story about a mama abandoning her babies and wolverine just takes off yeah with the I'll, hopes that ogun would chase him it's basically like, yeah i need i need some time to regroup if ogun follows me cool if not i guess kitty's dead <laughs> i guess so <clears throat> uh, die kitty will if ogun chases me not yukio is going to show up with carmen who basic carmen is the biggest pain in the neck he's worthless yeah she basically tells mariko what's going on then their car gets blown up because you got to bring back shamai the giant sumo guy (laughs) right who's really unnecessary to the story but yukio needs her her hero moment kitty wakes up she realizes, oh, wait, I get, it doesn't say it, but apparently her mutant metabolism has burned off enough of the stuff that she can phase again. <laughs> right, yeah. So I she jumps it. off the building, but she's too, too tired to really skywalk, so she phases through Shamai. Then Yukio just beats the crud out of Shamai. Right. And then Kitty's like, well, see you later. I'm going <laughs> to go follow Logan. Right. And then I've actually got a personal anecdote for page nine. Have you been to a pachinko bar? No, but oh. I had a pachinko machine in my oh, house. Oh, you did? Yeah, we. I don't know where my parents got it. It's probably some shady deal. Um, <laughs> but they, they have. Did it involve the Japanese Yakuza? It probably did. Okay. My dad doesn't talk about those days. <laughs> uh, we had, Yeah, we had a pachinko machine in our house and had little you know, silver marbles that I guess were supposed to be like the kind of the currency of pachinko gambling. Right. It was really cool. Yeah. Uh, it was really neat. I was the only kid I knew with a pachinko right. machine. Again, if there was Wikipedia, this is Claremont reading the line in the article that says, Pachinko is the most popular game in Japan. I, oh, cool. Let me put it in the issue. They say the most popular game in Japan is pachinko. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically, Wolverine goes in there. And then I thought this was kind of stupid. Ogun's like, oh, wait, this guy's got a gun here in the pachinko machine room. Right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot Wolverine. To be fair, the panel with the boom is a cool panel. The actual gunshot wound. It, it is. And it's colored nice. Another prop to Glenn's wing line. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's colored well. And again, you get some cool paneling. Um, Milgram's one strong staple through this is the paneling. So Wolverine gets shot in the shoulder with, a, I guess, like a Teflon-coated bullet. <laughs> you can tell by the sound of the gun that they were armored piercing bullets. Right. I hated that. Yeah, and then the gun runs out of bullets, and I like how the devil mask has the same smile, but it kind of looks like, ah, gotcha. <laughs> right. Uh, Wolverine escapes into an elevator. Ogun cuts the cords. Wolverine's falling. And then 
page 11 in his noirish inner monologue he uses the word squish which <laughs> made me laugh because it sounds really unwolverine like to say right maybe i'll get lucky and the car will squish him right. well no, yeah so do it in the vo- here's the narration he's talking about how the animal in him would have given up he says once i would have listened thing is i'm a man now and too darn stubborn to quit I hope Ogun's watching from below. Maybe I'll get lucky. And the car will squish him. <laughs> ha! It's just so unlike yeah, everything it's, else here. It is weird. Him using the word squish. So meanwhile, you know, his daughter's gone off to try to once again fight Ogun. Carmen's wandering around moralizing to himself and ex- <laughs> explaining to the, to the audience... <laughs> yes. About how Japanese culture works with honor and how right. <laughs> he, us Americans have none. Yeah, and yeah. how he basically he then stumbles across a cop and he's like, "Oh, I want to turn myself in and report a crime." Well, no, 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 he's not a cop. He come, he he randomly oh, stumbles up to the U.S. embassy. Right, right. He's he's gone to the embassy and he's like, "I'm going to be honorable now because I can't take any more Claremont dialogue right. about honor." <laughs> he's punishing me in my brain. My only out is to go report a crime. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kitty has used every ounce of energy she has, air walking in what I'm assuming. She assumes is the direction Ogun went. <laughs> I don't know how she would know to go here. Right. And she barely makes it. She's hanging from a, a construction railing. And then Ogun grabs her and pulls her up. She's still exhausted. Wolverine shows up and he's like, you know, what the heck are you doing here? I right. led him away and you show up again. Uh, we get again another double snicked with, with claws gleaming. It's right. less cool this time because he already just did the claws gleaming. Yeah, but hey, you can't have still, too many. It's still a double snick. Yeah, can't be too many double snicks. Yeah, so he's going all in. Right. Uh, they run at each other. Wolverine gets stabbed. In the same way, almost, it doesn't look like it's his heart this time, but it's very reminiscent of the panel where Kitty stabbed him. Yeah. I think I think this one was more like a spleen. Right. And so basically, they then are like face-to-face, Eye to eye. And so it's throwing back again to their wills are getting crossed. Right. And he smiles at Ogun. Right. Because he realizes. Oh, man. And then he's going to go berserk. And you get the worst drawing it's of Wolverine terrible. Ever. Oh, my gosh. It looks it's like. so bad. It looks like a stupid goblin or it something. It looks like a weird Morlock version of Wolverine. Yeah. There you go. Um, it's bad. It. It's, well, like that, it's really. It looks bad. like the time all the X Men turned into vampires. It's terrible. Yeah, or or like a dream sequence where like right. some all the all the X Men turn into monsters in right. someone's yeah. dream, like right. a, like Power Packs having a nightmare. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's Nightmare Wolverine biting his lips and going berserk. Oh man. But but so basically he goes berserk. Right. But he realizes Ogun already knows it's lost. And so yeah. he gradually beats the crud out of Ogun. Then you get an actual cool scene where he, he takes off Ogun's mask with, with his, his claws. claws. Yeah, th- this was the best part of this issue. Yeah, because two of the claws go through the eye holes and you see it through the mouth hole. Uh, and he pulls the mask off and Ogun's, you know, not, not so scary with the mask off. And then Wolverine, because he's still, you know, Sensei Yoda Wolverine here. <laughs> Uh, he's got to make sure uh, who Kitty is. So he's right. like, all right, Kitty, 
you got to finish him. And so Kitty comes charging Cobra up. Kai! Cobra Kai! <laughs> she, he basically tells Sweep Kitty, the leg, Kitty! Sweep the leg! <laughs> he basically tells her, sweep the leg. You got a problem with that? <laughs> and Kitty comes charging up, and she swings the broken sword, and she stops, you know, a fraction from Ogun's head. Right. And then she Starts gets all and, shaky and yeah. weepy. Starts bawling. I, I, I couldn't. <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, and basically he's telling her, you know, hey, that's a good thing because you know you weren't you weren't really supposed to kill a beaten man. Kitty would never kill, right? At least not a beaten man, right? And then you get a snacked. Yeah, yay, snack. The rare snack. The rare snacked. What's funny is it's a single snacked, but both claws went in. So I I kind of yeah. blame. I think there's another snack on the side of the page you can't see. I think if Joe Rosen had done this one, you would have gotten the full double snacked. <laughs> I, no, but it would have had brackets around it. Yes. Or backwards brackets because it's not translatable. Yeah. <laughs> so then, of course, like not every single reader knew this was going to happen. Right. They turned to walk away. They're just going to leave Ogun there for Ogun no reason. Ogun picks up the sword. He charges Wolverine in a really horrible drawing of Wolverine's face oh, and the top of terrible. Kitty's eyes. Yells, pride, phase. And he stabs with a... This is actually cool. He stabs through Kitty into Ogun. The art's bad, but there's a giant red snick. To the side. It looks amazing. Which, yeah. that looks really cool. And um, this is is basically the cover, but it looks cooler. Yeah, and Ogun slashed through Wolverine's chest. Yeah. And if Wolverine didn't have the metal bones, yeah. that would have got... It would have cut him in half. Right. It still hurts pretty bad. Yeah, he collapses to the knees. They both, they that's actually a cool shot. They both collapse to the knees, kind of down by the mask. Ogun falls over. He's dead. And then I like that you actually get the sense that Wolverine's really upset. Right. That he had to kill Ogun. Like right. that he maybe kind of hoped he wouldn't have to kill Ogun. He, he was would, his sensei. He wanted Ogun to Vader. Right. He wanted him to be like, Oh, when I take your mask off at the end, you'll be an old white guy and you'll realize that you love me all along. <laughs> yeah, old white guy is great. Um, and he calls him his Chichi-san. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, which I'm assuming is probably very respectful and honorable, but sounds ridiculous. Yes, it, it, it does. They should have translated that. Right. And I like when he starts talking to the mask again. He's, he's now back in Japanese again. Yeah. Uh, and it has the really kind of long outro. It's actually pretty It's not bad. Good. It's just a little wordy. It's actually, I think it's kind of Claremont at what he does best. Yeah. Is the pontification on. Here's the thesis of the whole series. Yes. On Kitty mm. explaining to Wolverine why he's not an animal, even though he had to kill Ogun. Right. How he got to choose and Ogun wouldn't have had a choice and he right. gave her a choice. And well, we have the idea that he channeled the berserker, but then it completely succumbed to it. Like he was able to pull himself out. Right. And, and still teach Kitty a lesson. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, I like how it's like, by any standard, my dear, dear friend, that is the hallmark of a man. <laughs> She's telling him he's not an animal. Right. He crushes the mask. It actually looks really stupid. Yes, it's not um, good. They leave Ogun. And then you get the epilogue because... <sighs> this epilogue's terrible. It's terrible. It's... Every every scene that involves Carmen Pride and his ever-changing hairline is bad. <laughs> yes. 
It's, we it's have the, the obligatory. Th- hey, Mariko squared or Mar. I'm sorry, Mariko squared everything away with the police. So you know, we're not warning for murder. <laughs> but her face is continuing to get worse. Still, it's devolving. Yes. Yeah, and Carmen's like, "Hey, I told the cops I'm a good man again." Right, Kitty, can't you but, love me again now? I hate this part because he doesn't have any kind of like. Well, I'd do it again. I'm guilty, but I don't regret it. I had good motives. And that's and, and Kitty doesn't say, "Oh well, okay, I guess so." No, she says, "There's the dad I've been looking for." Now let's go get ice cream. <laughs> like, you're the worst dad ever. You're pathetic. Yeah, and. When I like this, when Yukio storms off, Mariko's like, she loves you so much. He's like, but I, Mariko-chan, love you, even though I probably slept with her twice since I've been in Japan, (laughs) and you didn't even know I was here. Right. I didn't even call you to tell you I was coming. But I had plenty of time. Again, to me, that doesn't, that feels out of character. it, It doesn't ring true. But I do think it's really funny that the closing scene is, they all go get ice cream right and, and uh, kitty looks terrible this um, is the i mean we're gonna end strong no uh milgram does not believe in ending strong no most of his um most of his closing shots are With the exception the of the one kitty stabbing wolverine yeah that was the one good one yeah and also that ice cream i don't want to even want to eat that ice cream no. It, it looks gross. What is green with red on top? Is Pistachio like, with strawberry uh, shell. I guess. Yeah. What's What's the dark purple with the white and the little dinosaur fins coming out of it? I don't know. Okay. So. Uh, hey, I'm going to disagree with you. I agree that the art number one is really bad. I think this is the worst. Ah, oh, well. No, no, to be fair, we can easily have a stalemate over that. They're both really bad. They are. Oh, and her, you know, you're right. Her uh, scarf is yellow in this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the art in this one's really bad. Um, it's terrible. I, I think, it's, it's garbage, I would say. I think what the thing that, about this one is, once again, he at least consistently drew her face wrong. <laughs> right. Whereas in the first one, I mean, it literally, her face no, she changed was, she every was panel. Many faces from Masters of the Universe. I mean, literally, she was a different face in every panel in the first one. You got the cool, at least you get a double snick. You get yeah, a, a couple you got of some cool snicks, definitely. A couple of the devil masks looked kind of yeah, cool. Yeah. I, I liked it better than the first one, but, okay. but not by a lot. Just by the hair of your chinny chin chin? Yeah it, yeah. it at least had a couple of good panels to wash out the many bad ones. But again, lots of really lazy. But I would say. Again, really some pretty decent panel layout design. Right, yeah. Uh, again, especially at the time. Conceptually, he's not a bad artist. I just... And I don't. I need to look and see what his other art looks like. Because you're right, he does talk about how he changed his style. And I don't know if this is an improvement or if it's worse. Like, I need to go look at other Milgram art and you see. Know, and I've got a whole run of Spectacular Spider-Man that I need to go back and reread and see what he did on it. Right. My guess is it's really ordinary. Probably. That is probably very well, yeah, generic. And I'll, I'll talk about that here. Very in ordinary. Whereas in this, it's generic and ordinary, except he tried to do something weird with it. Right. So what do you think of the story in this one, our last closing chapter? I actually think the story itself, this this was the pinnacle. Kitty came of age. She discovered who she is. 
I, I don't think it's as well written. I don't either. As, I was actually five. I thought it was a little disappointing. But um, I thought the final fight with Ogun was really good, but nothing else in this issue mattered to me at all. Yeah, I, I thought inserting Shamai back into it was just a waste of my time. Right. But and even bringing Mariko in, like I understand that that's the love of Wolverine's life. And I actually, and I've said before, she is my favorite love interest of Wolverine. Yeah, kind of I the, agree. The way that she's like the yin to his yang yep. and all that. Um, but I didn't feel like she fit in this story at all. Like, well, they shoehorned her in. Yeah, very shoehorned. Um, oh, Wolverine's in Japan. So is his fiance. And, and honestly, when did they get... Like, this is the first time we know for sure that they're still engaged. Because the last time we saw her, was she jilted him. She left him at the altar, presumably breaking it off, saying, I love you, but I can't be with you, which they hint at again here. Because she's not worthy of it, right. right? Yeah. And then, and because she wants to take care of her, she has to... <laughs> Maybe that explains the infidelity. He's like, look, right. I'm not that great. You're worthy of me. Right, look, I cheated look, on you at I'm least a man, twice. I'm a man whore. Take me back. <laughs> um... And, and the sword while you're at it. Right. And she wanted, you know, to take care of her family business by herself. She didn't want Wolverine's help. And that yeah. part, it's, it's not bad. But then the other time we saw her since then, it's her miss, seeing Wolverine on the news and missing him. Mm-hmm. But we have no, this is the first time we get an indication that they're still actually engaged. That she wasn't breaking off the wedding. She was just postponing it. That was never made clear until the last page of the sixth. The epilogue, yeah. Yeah. When they're in Shapiro's. Yeah, and I thought the epilogue was terrible. Yeah, I I, th- I guess they had to wrap up somehow. Right. Well, speaking of wrapping up, let's uh, grade this and then give our overall thoughts. Okay. I uh, I gave this one three out of six claws. I went uh, four on this one. Okay. I generally like, other than the, ep- the, the conclusion before the epilogue, right. I like the conclusion. I like the way it resolved, the way it ended. I liked where Kitty Pride came to at the end of it. Right. The development of Shadowcat. Even though essentially she just gets her, her tail kicked and then all she does basically is airwalk around and, you know, and encourage Wolverine and eat ice cream. But I think the encouragement is important though. It is. Uh, so let's talk about what just the series overall. So the thesis of this is kind of besides building their relationship, you see that Wolverine is able to mentor somebody. Like, he can become the sensei that Ogun was to him. Hopefully he won't turn evil. But then, and then Kitty grows up, but it's not about her becoming an ultimate warrior, though she does learn a lot of good fighting skills that'll come in handy, especially with her power. But also, she is there to, to help Wolverine realize, again, you know, kind of the constant battle of, am I an animal or am I a man? And kind of, then he chooses the honor because of her. Like, and his motivation to literally make all these sacrifices on her behalf is just, it's really cool as we start to move Wolverine into kind of this big brother, father figure. Uh, just, I really enjoy that. So I thought overall the story was pretty good. The only thing, all right, so one thing that Claremont didn't do that he would have done, if he had written this story 10 times, nine out of the 10, he would have shown us some flashbacks of Ogun and Wolverine training. And he didn't do it. And on the one hand, I like that he made the choice to do something different and unpredictable. But on the other hand, I kind of feel like even if just a couple of panels showing us the relationship instead of telling us about it, I mean, this is a visual medium, Mm -hmm. show it to us, it would have made Ogun a little bit more emotional, impactful as a bad guy. 
other than the one picture of them eating together. Right. There's nothing else. And basically until Wolverine kills him and then he, he actually seems upset about it. Right. I mean, it, it talks about the relationship, but it doesn't really help you understand that right. other than Guardian, this is the most important man in his formation, but he changed and Ogun didn't, you know? Right. Well, and, and I did the one part I did like is he's like, well, was I just naive? Was Ogun this way all the time? Yeah. And apparently he says he wanted to mold Wolverine, so he probably was. Yeah. So what do you think of Ogun overall as a villain? Was he? I think the idea of Ogun is a lot better than the execution of Ogun here. Right. I agree. And, and I, I know that they do more with him later. Or with at least his possessing spirit. Or Not as something. much as you would think. Though he was very in, uh, influential in the death of Wolverine. Yeah. So, I mean, I I think they could have really fleshed him out and put some some human around him to help you care about him a little more. Right. But, you know, there's only so many words you can fit on the page, and Claremont already used all of them. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I like him as a villain. I, I think he's pretty much here to serve a purpose for this story. It's kind of, I wish they would have really talked about exactly what his power is. Cause it's yeah, kind of a, an, it's very vague. And it's an interesting magical. Thing he could essentially you, and you learn by the end that he wanted to possess Kitty essentially so he could live forever. That right. So that would be his new vessel. And that is what his power becomes later. Then he picks out a new vessel and passes right. on his spirit over time to take them over. Yeah. But that's not really made clear here. No, it's not at all. It's really not. I will say, and I, I mentioned this a couple of times, this is very much feels like a spiritual sequel to the Claremont Miller miniseries. Um, with much worse art. Yes, much, much worse art. But the themes are very similar. Some of the motivations are very similar. Mm-hmm. So that part I really liked. I mean, overall, I would say I liked Ogun. I liked the story. There, were, there are some problems, but overall I thought it was a good miniseries story-wise. Yeah, my, my kind of my overarching impressions. I agree. This this set up what would become a recurrent theme where Wolverine serves as a mentor for a younger, kind of weaker... Usually female. ...female character. <laughs> right. Where he's, he's Uncle Wolvie, and he's right. going to help them, you know, become pretty phenomenal characters and right. build their confidence. And I love that it's always a very... It, there's no tension. It's never like a... What's, what's Wolverine's motive here? Is he going right. to crush? It's never... It's, cr- you can put a creepy spin on it, but it's the writers there. at Marvel never do. It's never there. Right. Um, you know, it's Kitty, Jubilee. He does he does this over and over again. Right. Th- so that was important. I thought as a landmark in the development of the Kitty Pride character, it was really important. It was an important right. story. But I think that was kind of the point is Claremont created her. He yes. wanted to transition her into a different character but didn't want to do it through little snippets over 30 issues. Right. You know, so he had to pull her out of her element and have a catalyst for her to change. You know, at the same time, Wolverine was the most popular character. That's going to, that's going to sell the book about him making Kitty grow up. Right. And putting it in Japan is where he's also continuing to establish that Wolverine is not just the snarky guy from X-Men who says some funny things and slashes people up, but there's this other side to him. Right. I think it failed in that that other side to him included. Uh, I thought I thought the 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 hinting at or really boldly hinting at infidelity him as a cheater. I hated that. Right. I, I thought the weird either. tub scenes. I hated that. Yeah. I hated Carmen Pride. And I did too. Says, you know, her father's not a great character. 
I hated everything about the I way didn't, he was no, And it wasn't, because you can have a really awful father and it be compelling and add to the drama. I just, it wasn't fun to read about it. Like, it, it was wasn't not, even like, oh, he's such a bad guy. I want to see him get his comeuppance or I want to see the change he makes at the end. Because even his resolution is so unsatisfying. And I don't know. He, he, just, he is an uncompelling character. He was completely annoying and useless. Yeah, I you got some good snicks. You got some good bubs. Yeah. Um, I love, some good I do smoking. love Wolverine as the mentor. I thought the art overall failed. Yeah, so let's talk about the art. So, yeah, I would. I think failure is a good word. I will say it has a very Marvel 80s house style to it. Like, yeah. there are a lot of guys in the 80s at Marvel who drew very similar to this. It's kind of, like you said before, generic. That's why it was really weird to me that he talked about how much he tried to consciously change it because it doesn't really stick out to me other than being a little bit rough around the edges and ugly like and those aren't good ways to stick out no <laughs> the, the only thing i would say is i thought the rough are fit ogun and wolverine in places but it never worked on kitty or any of like the quote-unquote human characters mm-hmm. anytime there was just a face it failed like the mask of Ogun and Wolverine and the cow at times looked really cool. But other than that, like nobody looked good or even interesting. Yeah. I, I liked the way he laid out the art. I thought sometimes his choice of angles and things like that was really cool. He had some decent action, though most of it was stiff. Yeah. I do think, again, I've said it a bunch, but I like the way he did panels. I thought it was kind of innovative and interesting a little bit. But I thought his backgrounds when he drew them were awful. Yeah. Um, Not just bad, but awful. And he had a rich opportunity with with the settings that they used. Yeah, in Japan. I mean, come on. Really cool backgrounds, and he didn't, which which says to me maybe he couldn't. Maybe that just isn't good enough. I would say, and to that point, like Tokyo to me is a bucket list city. Like, I really want to go there someday. And if my only impression in Tokyo is from this series, I would never, ever go there. They, this could have been anywhere. Yeah, and it, there's nothing I, interesting about it. Other than them drawing a couple of rising suns. Right, and, and all the window scaffolding. Yeah, and, and that the windows were so clean. <laughs> um, I, I, I really just did not... Oh, and that people drove on the other side of the car, so you, right. knew, you knew they weren't in America. Right. Um, I I really overall think the art failed. I thought it was lazy. I I, I am going to go back and look at some of my spectaculars to see if I can right. pinpoint the difference. Well, the, the other funny thing to me is you, you you mentioned this and I also read it somewhere. Is Milner is very proud of this. Yeah, he is. And it just blows my mind. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you if I ever got a, a comic book published that I drew, I'd be proud of well, it. Well, yes, I I but, agree with that. As someone who can't draw a comic, right. this would be proud for me. But you know, I'll put it into context of I've put out a few CDs over the years. Yeah, yeah, we both have. At the time I put most of them out, I thought they were the bee's knees. Right. And in retrospect, I went back and listened to a couple recently. I'm actually now embarrassed to have put them out. See, I have some of both. And the thing is, I can tell the difference. Yes. I feel like Milgram had time to reflect on this and still liked it. And that's the part of the bag. He had a very long career. Right. He it's was, not that he, he said he turned this in, threw it on Claremont's desk and said, this is good stuff. That's one thing. Because you're attached to it. You just finished it. Right. I get that. Like you said, you yeah. put out a CD, you're just done. You spent, you know, weeks, months, whatever. 
playing this months. <laughs> playing the parts, mixing it, trying to get it as perfect in your mind as you can. Like I get the sense of accomplishment with that. Yeah. The difference is going back and looking at it years later and saying, "Yeah, that was my best stuff." Then I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I I was very it's not just uninterested. I really disliked it. Right. I don't want to end on too negative of a note. Uh, would you recommend reading this to Absolutely. people? Absolutely. I, yeah, I went to. I think the story is good enough to overcome the art. And I think if you're going to, if you care about the Kitty Pride character, the Wolverine character and their development. And especially as they relate to each other. Yeah, you got to have it. Yeah, it's foundational. It really was, sets I'm, the stage. For, I was kind of embarrassed that this was my first time reading it, to be honest. Yeah, and when I read it a year ago, I remember, I remember feeling a little bit let down at the time because I'd wanted to read it for... Right. 20 years. Didn't quite live up to the hype. <laughs> and and it didn't. But I thought the story arc was good. I thought the writing was good. Not great. I don't think it's the best of Claremont by any no. stretch of the imagination. But, I mean, I, do, do you do a claw rating on a whole series? Uh, Not usually, but if you want to, you can. I don't have one prepared, but I can try to think of one. I think I would do a four out of six. Okay. I probably would, too. And the reason is the significance gives it the extra little bit to make it four and not three. I will say this. If you know, we compare this to, say, the, the Claremont Miller miniseries, if Frank Miller had drawn this, I would probably say all but the first issue were six out of six. I don't think even great art could have saved the clumsiness of the first issue. I mean, even if it was decent art, yeah, I think it could have been pretty compelling, right? Uh, because it was only compelling basically what you saw in your head, not what you saw on the page, right? With the exception of a few really awesome panels, yeah. Right. And again, that's where I think I would say Milgram failed. Is those panels indicate that maybe he could have done something right. amazing? Yeah. And the the other thing I forgot to mention is I think the other reason it's important is the Wolverine backstory right? Uh, of, of him having essentially been trained by Ogun that I, I thought it was important in his development to understand who he is and where he came from right. more, especially mm-hmm. at this time where he's a pretty big mystery. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, I think that about wraps us up. Um, thanks, Andrew, for coming back on. Uh, we'll try to make the, the distance between this and the next one, not as far as this and the last one. Let's do um, something more fun next time. This was kind of dark something. and gritty. Yeah, uh, definitely. Find some more 70s shenanigans. <laughs> cool. Well, hey, do you have anything you want to plug while you're here? Uh, sure. I think when I was on last time, I mentioned my wife was about to publish a book. Yes, and she has since done that. She's since done that, and she's and actually, working on the second one, right? Yep, she is in the editing phase of book two. So uh, I guess if you're online, you can go to acautry.com. That's A-C-A-U-T-R-Y, autry.com, or facebook.com slash A period C period Autry. Um, and uh, check out the Ransom series, Supernatural Fiction. Really kind of an exciting yeah, story. Yeah. It's probably right up a lot of your alleys, so I would definitely suggest checking that out. Yeah, anything else? Uh, soon I'll have a new CD out under the name Tyrannical Rex. Are you going to be proud of this one? I'm going to be proud of this one. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of, it's a neat one. I'm excited about it. Yeah. You, you let me hear a couple of rough mixes and it sounds pretty good. So um, well, I have nothing outside the podcast going on right now. I mean, my son is playing Little League. <laughs> That's about it. Um, you don't necessarily want to invite people nope. through a podcast to, to nope. the game. Yeah, show up at my kids' games. That's not creepy at all. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I think we made that joke on a previous episode. But anyway, 
Uh, regardless, uh, please leave an iTunes review if you want to help spread word about the show. Like the Facebook page if you want show notes and stuff. That's nickcast.podbean.com. And, of course, our Twitter, where most of the fun happens, is at snickcast. I'm having a pretty lively conversations going on most of the time there so um feel free to join in yeah i guess that's about it i don't actually know what'll be next um probably another flashback episode but we will we'll see what comes first so anyway thanks again andrew and until next time hugs and snicks bye bye